Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 1039 with Dan Dreer. Always be resilient. Always look for a solution. Don't say, well, you know how Wall Street is, or you know how the economy is. You know how, you know what, what our president's like. You know, it, these are excuses, and they're macro excuses. They're, they're very big picture excuses. They're not excuses. If, if you're right, then every restaurant and every business that you walk into down the street should be dead. And they're not. They're not. They're absolutely, they're, they're busy. There's places that are around you that are busy. And if you're saying it's the economy, you're wrong. Because if you go down the street and somebody's busy, it's not the economy, it's you. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable this episode made possible by restaurant technologies inc rti's total oil management automates your entire cooking oil process with total oil management you get dependable fresh bulk cooking oil delivery filtration plus oil usage monitoring and reporting easy oil disposal use cooking oil pickup and recycling and say goodbye to messy dangerous restaurant rendering tanks yuck RTI's end-to-end cooking oil system helps you manage your used cooking oil disposal, storage, collection, and recycling conveniently, safely, and cleanly with no upfront cost. Restaurant Technologies, Inc. is always on, so you don't have to be. To learn more, head to rti-inc.com and let them know Restaurant Unstoppable Podcast sent you their way. This episode is brought to you by Margin Edge. Margin Edge is a restaurant management software that helps you see your food and your labor costs in real time so you can make informed decisions in the moment. Just snap a picture of your invoice and Margin Edge will process them within 24 to 48 hours with line item detail, including handwritten adjustments. This allows you to save hours on paperwork so you can spend more time creating great guest experience. Experiences. Head to marginedge.com slash unstoppable to sign up for a free demo today. That's marginedge.com slash unstoppable. This episode brought to you by Owner.com. Owner.com is the leading all-in-one platform for restaurant marketing. Owner.com powers everything from SEO-optimized websites, direct online ordering, automated email and text marketing, built-in loyalty programs, zero commission delivery, and branded mobile apps for your restaurant that's integrated right into your POS. With Owner.com, there's no contract, no hidden fees, and nothing to lose. Join thousands of restaurant owners using Owner.com to grow direct online sales, save thousands in third-party fees, and simplify their online ordering presence all in one. Book a free demo today at owner.com slash unstoppable and see why owner.com is the number one rated restaurant marketing software. This episode is brought to you by Restaurant Systems Pro and they are launching their first time ever 60-day pilot program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant System Pro software and setting up the systems for your restaurants. Fred will teach you recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, more butts and seats and that's not it if you are interested in this head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash r 
RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, co-owner of Wally's Pizza Bar and FLB Entertainment Center, Dan Dreer. My man, Dan, are you feeling unstoppable today? I am. Dude, I'm psyched to be here. You're somebody who I've met now. I think this is our fourth encounter. Yep, uh, at least right and uh, somebody who I continue to be impressed by somebody who I kind of gravitate towards whenever I'm at these restaurant systems pro elite get togethers and I'm just I, I really like talking to you man you, I can tell you're a smart dude I know I love the approach you took with with opening your businesses and taking the time and energy to invest systems from day one and I just want to share your story we're going to sure. dive into it but before we find out who you are and how you got to where you are today let's get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra what All right. you got for us so this is a motivational quote uh, it's our vision statement uh, our mission is to afford you the freedom to escape for a moment of happiness hmm Afford, to afford you the freedom to escape for a moment of happiness. Yeah. Why did you go with that today? So this is a, if you look at it, if you think about it, it's actually dual serving. This isn't just for our guests. This is also for our team members. So we want our team members when they show up to feel like this is home for them, that they can disappear that they can that that this is an escape for them as well and that they're happy that they enjoy where they work for our guests i think of all the moments where memories are made at a restaurant and for me that is having having lunch having dinner with friends with family really connecting with them hearing some big news that they have to to share uh you know, hearing about a, a baby that's on the way or hearing about a new job. And we usually go to breakfast, we go to yeah. lunch, we go to dinner and we, we, we might have, or we might sit down for a drink or a beer with a friend and just talk to them. Right. And, and these are the memories that are made. Well, you know, now you think back at terrible experiences when you go to restaurants and it's like, man, I walked in and I had to use the restroom and this place is filthy or, this light keeps flickering above me or man, why do they have soap operas on TV right now? You know, uh, <laughs> these, you know, the, then, then it goes to, well, our server, where's our server? She's not here. Like she, she's taking forever to come over here. Or you look at it and say, man, our food, our food is taken forever. And then when the food gets there, you start to say, how's your food? You know, everything coming out great. If a, if a manager hasn't touched the table to make sure everything's great, you start to think, How's your food? Is everything coming out great? If it's not, now you're concerned. Now, now that becomes a topic. That becomes where people focus their attention on. So our mission is that it starts with a great concept. You know, we have a great, great looking place. Uh, we have amazing food. We, we have systems and processes in place that assure that each day we're delivering on putting out that consistent product in the kitchen our team is trained. They know what they're doing. They're they're sharp. Uh, they're they have processes. They have a great leader, and the food is coming out consistently great. And then in the front of the house, we have steps of service that that we start with, and we we work all the way through. And these steps of service guide 
our team through training and through follow-up and through our leadership to ensure that we're giving the guests this amazing product. And if we deliver in a way that allows them to escape for a moment of happiness, then they're not thinking about anything else. We're anticipating their needs. We are we are knowing what they're looking for and we're delivering on that. Allowing them to be present. Yes. We're allowing them to be present and live in the moment to be able to enjoy their company. And you know what you start to think about is you walk away going, I don't know what it is about that place, but I love it. Yeah. I love this you place. You don't even know. Yeah. It's yeah. a subconscious thing that yeah. happens. And I that's- have a great time when I go there. I'm happy. And that's, that's our mission every day is that people escape. Not only our team members, so it's kind of dual serving. It's, it's for our team to escape when they come here and have a place they enjoy working at, that they feel as at home for them, and which, which is why we have so many people that work for us for so many years. Yeah, say that quote one more time. Our mission is to allow you the freedom to escape for a moment of happiness. I love that. And I think that as we march into the future, we are going to need that escape more than ever before. In a world that I, th- I think people underestimate how far we've evolved to rely on each other. Sure. You know, you think tens of th- tens of thousands of years, hundreds of, over 100,000 years, probably close. I don't know when fire, nobody knows officially when fire was invented, right? right. <laughs> but as, as long as people, like we're tribal animals, we need each other. We need like this idea of sitting around a fire, cooking what we kill, talking, mm-hmm. sharing stories, and just being with each other, sitting around looking at each other. It's baked into our DNA. We're not even aware of how important it is. And I think we live in a world that's increasingly pulling us away from each other. Yes. You know, we're more quote unquote connected than ever before, but we're not connecting in the way that we're hardwired to. Um, And the restaurant industry provides that space, you know, where we can, our busy lives can just go on pause. We can go into the space and escape for a moment of happiness. Uh, And like, I, I I love that. I mean, great way to get this thing started and tell us like you weren't always in the restaurant industry, were you? No. So our family, our story starts back in 79, as far as uh, entrepreneurship in, and entertainment restaurant industry. So we opened up FL, well, we, we purchased FLB Entertainment Center. Back back then it was called Folsom Lake Bowl. It's in Folsom, California. Where's and Folsom relative to, where are we currently today? So currently right now we're at our Wally's Pizza Bar re- restaurant and that is in Cameron Park, California. And if you want to look at geographically, you have San Francisco and you have Lake Tahoe. Most people know where those two places are. We're kind of right in the middle of those two places. So... Sacramento Sacramento is about a 30 minute drive from from us so if you get off the you know if you fly into Sacramento it's a quick drive to Folsom and maybe a 40 minute drive to Cameron Park. Okay, so Folsom's closer to Sacramento going west. Yes. Got it. Um so Folsom um the um FLB um entertainment entertainment center. Yeah. Jesus. The FLB entertainment center um is where this all started for you mm-hmm. and your family. Yep. 1979. Yep. I'm assuming you were a pretty young dude back in 1979. I was born in 78. Okay. So yeah, we we literally moved up here. Uh we we our my father founded on a uh, uh he was on a plane ride, a plane flight to to Hawaii and they were going on vacation and he heard that bowling centers was going to be a big boom in the future. That that's where a lot of uh, people are heading to. That that they're that it's a it's a good business to be in. And he thought, what the heck? I could do bowling centers. He's my, my our father is a 
He's like a renaissance man. What he, was he doing before bowling centers? Before bowling centers, I mean, so our father came here in, uh, when he was 18 years old. Uh, now he's 82. Uh, he came here when he was 18 years old from Germany. Okay. He didn't speak any English. He uh, was $18 in debt, and he started out working on a farm. And from the farm, he started working uh, at a, as a janitor at a convenience store or uh, like, like a, what, what we would have is, I don't know, like a Kohl's today, something yeah. like that. And he was working as a janitor and started learning English, started learning, you know, how to communicate with people here and, and get around. Then he started pumping gas at a gas station and he got his, he started working at different businesses doing, doing different things for people to help them out, to help out their businesses. And where he got his big break was he was in the operating engineers and he started building tunnels. And that's what tra- he started traveling all over the country, building tunnels for the operating engineers and just worked his way up and made good money doing that. And then started, uh, he met my mother and my mother was into real estate. So they were buying uh, run-down motels and just flipping them, fixing them up. How old was he them. when he met your mother and they started doing this? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I late twenties, early thirties. I, I want to say late twenties, early thirties. Yeah, because they were together for a long time. And so he uh, must have had you later in life. Yes, he was forty years old. Okay. Yeah, when when I was when when he had me, he was forty years old. And fun fact: uh, when my twins were born, I have right now I have uh, four and a half year old twins. They're almost five. When they were born. I was 40 years old. So, a little uh, pattern yeah. going on here. Yeah, Maybe if I'll get lucky and have some kids by the time I'm 40 years old. I'm running out of time, man. I got two, hey, two years left. Yeah. Whoa. Um, anyway, so so you kind of grew up in this world of hospitality. Your, your parents had yeah. these motels. When you were born, when you came into the picture, like where was the business? We, were, we just had bought uh, FLB Entertainment Center and uh, Folsom Lake Bull at the time. And we were working on just building that up. Uh, my father is not a bowler. Uh, Mother's not a bowler. They just learned the business. They, they, they were found a place. They found a guy that was willing to carry the note and sell them this business. And they bought the land with it as well, which, is, which was a huge thing for our family to actually own the land. And uh, over the years, they just worked the worked business, got better and better at it. And where, where was he work? He said he was traveling the country, building these tunnels. But where was he buying up these hotels and flipping them? You know, the hotels that they were buying were, were mainly in the Bay Area. Okay. Yeah, mainly in the Bay Area, and it was homes. After it was hotels, it was homes, and they would even back then there was some kind of clause. I, I don't remember it. I was I was a baby at the time. But you were one years old. <laughs> <laughs> they they were doing something where they were. It wasn't even really going into their name, and they were buying it, and they had so much of a closing time that they were flipping the house within that short period of time, and and then selling the house and making money off of it. So okay, um, so. Well, I mean, I feel like there's so many lessons we can learn <laughs> of like just diving into like what you learn from your dad, right? Oh, and your yeah. mom and what they, what they taught you. Um, so you grew up like when, what was growing up like when you were a kid, were you working in the business? Uh, no, I was always, I mean, I, I can remember from a very young age walking into the bars, um, walking into our bar at, at FLB and going and playing in the arcades, bowling. Uh, we were really into bowling and, and just, that was a regular thing, going to work with Dad. How watch. cool is it to be a kid that have, have parents that own an arcade and a bowling alley? You must have had a lot of friends. Wait, you know, <laughs> people, people always want to have bowling parties. Yeah. It's always fun. Um, 
we really enjoyed it. We I always admired uh, my parents and and what they did. My mom continued on with real estate. She still does real estate to this day. Uh, my father lives right down the street from here. He's uh, one of the closest houses to Wally's Pizza Bar, and he's he's retired now. But he's he enjoys himself. He he works nonstop on his property, uh, and it, growing up in the business, it was just you know having fun, uh, enjoying enjoying life, learning, traveling around with my dad. We you know we at one point we had bought a pools a pool a pool hall in. Uh, well, actually, we didn't buy a pool. We built a pool hall in South Sacramento, and we had that for about. I want to say it's about 15 years that we owned and operated that. And that was a learning experience. I mean, a huge learning experience. We did close it down. Uh, I was in a bad area. But I, I remember that was right around the time that I was learning to drive. And so I was driving him. I had my, my learner's permit, and I would drive him each morning uh, to FLB. We'd work at FLB. Then we'd drive down to uh, the pool hall. And we'd work at the pool hall for, for several hours, and then we'd drive back, and I would take notes on a yellow pad on what we had to do, where we had to go. You know, I was basically his, his assistant, and uh, we just traveled around, and, and I loved it. I loved every minute of it. So did you go to, like, what were you, when you were a young guy, you know, in your teens, are you thinking, like, I'm going to follow in the family footsteps? It sounds crazy, but I will tell you, I remember sitting in class when I was in, uh, in eighth grade, and I remember telling people, "There's a there's a movie theater coming to Folsom, and it's going to make our our bowling center so much better, you know, so much busier. And things are getting busier in our town, and we're excited, and it's going to bring new people in, and, and we're going to, you know, we're going to grow our business. and And I I knew from day one that I wanted to be a part of it. I, there was not, I never had a thought of, I want to be a firefighter, or I want to be, you know, police officer, or I, I want to do anything else besides run the business. I mean, that's what I went to school for. What'd you I, go to school for? Uh, I went to Sac State. I graduated from Sac State uh, with a business degree in strategic management. And, uh, you know, was from day one, the strategic management degree was a degree that I don't think they offer it anymore, but it was a degree that allowed you to have a focus that was broad because running a business, it's not just accounting. It's not just finance. It's not just operations. It's not just sales. It's everything. It's the big picture. Yeah, it's it's big managing picture. all yeah. those elements. Yeah. So, so. so uh, I, I want to point out too that your dad kind of had good foresight on this idea of like looking at like the entertainment world, like bowling alleys. I think that I think that the f- there's a ton of potential for food and beverage in like the experience-based economy yeah. where people are like back to what we were saying before. People are just looking for an excuse to get back together again. And like you're seeing like these uh, these arcades pop up, these like more not like the they're like all like the like the 360 like experience based like you can play shuffleboard, you can play you can sure. go bowling, you can do indoor golf, you can play pickleball, the games. you can like, do yeah all these yeah, different, like these things, different yeah. complexes are popping up yep. where it's really focused on the experience, and then you have all these people who come for the like the the, the things to do, and then you feed them yep. right. Uh, is that kind of is is that kind of like you know are you what you're doing today is is that a continuation of this absolutely what the future do you think yeah so if you it, i wish we could have had like a gopro on the wall recording like a time lapse right. of what our building looked like so flb is a 28,000 square foot building it's That's huge. 16 bowling lanes uh we have a sports bar there we have uh a, a, right now currently a, a small grill um 
And then we do, we have a barbershop in there. A barbershop? Yeah, we have a barbershop <laughs> in there, Lucky's Barbershop, great barbershop. And we have a pro shop, uh, so if you need to get your, your bowling ball drilled, we have a pro shop in there. So we have we have this entertainment center, and originally it was just a bowling center and a small bar. And the bar increased in size, and then the bowling center changed around. And then we had this storage room in the back, and we said, we're going to turn that into our arcade. And, uh, you know, we had a card room, uh, a casino at one point inside of our business. We had all these different facets to the business, and we've always continually changed them, modified them, tried to continually work to make them better and, and try new things, keep what works, you know, get right. rid of what doesn't. And we had one of the first uh, land centers ever, you know, in the country uh, at our place. And we're probably too too soon to market on that center. Uh, you know, like a, uh, where they go in the game against each other. They play these different uh, games. Uh, ha- not Halo. Uh, I don't play the game. So uh, Counter Strike is a big one. That was a big a big game. They, it's it's basically single player game, but then they use it in a multiplayer faction, fashion, and then it was connected to the to the internet, so they could play other people in other areas. And so you're gaming. In a broad in a broad sense, with anybody who you want or as many people you want, and so they had these land centers, and they were they were a thing for a minute, and I don't think you really see them anymore. Okay, got. It. So reflecting back at you when you were a young man, uh, kind of looking at what your parents were up to, your mom and dad, they were both entrepreneurs, business people. What were the biggest lessons you think you you learned from them? How did they influence you as a young person? You know, every day, we it was a regular thing to sit down at the dinner table and talk business. Every day. Uh, what was happening? What was going on? There wasn't any secrets. We, we would go in. My parents, I remember, their friends would, would criticize them and say, you know, I can't believe you let your kids into your business and, and see, these, uh, see people at the bar and alcoholics and so forth. What they didn't know was that the difference is, is that our, our our mom and dad would say, "Hey, this guy right here is an alcoholic. He lost his life. He's lost everything in his life. His wife, his kids. You know, they don't talk to him anymore. He lost his job. You know, it's and and those people. When you sit down and talk to him as a kid, they would tell you, like, man, you don't. This is not the road for you to go down. Uh, you know, it's fun you mean to like do the, the F and B, the food, uh, and, food no, and beverage. No, to be an alcoholic. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, to to have a problem because a lot of times when you when you run a business and you have a successful bar, you're going to run into people that that that's their livelihood. That, right. And and you you start to find out. A friend of mine uh, was dealing with a, a problem where his sister was uh, drinking so much he thought that she was an alcoholic. But he said, "Man, I don't know. She." she doesn't drink as much as I do. And, and I don't know if, if I could tell her that I think she's got a problem with alcohol because I drink more than she does. And he came to me and I said, man, that's a, that, that, that's a good one. I don't know what to say to you to give her advice to, but she's making a lot of bad decisions. And so he came back to me and said, you know, I figured it out. It's when people consume alcohol and they make bad decisions and they keep consuming the alcohol and, and, and making these bad decisions or whatever the substance is. Or using is. alcohol or whatever substance it is to escape yes. reality. Yes. And and that's what she was doing. That's not what he was doing. He, you know, she was making these bad decisions to drive after drinking to, you know, make bad decisions on who she was going home with that night and, and things like that. And so he talked to her and said, you know, you have a problem. 
because you're making you you know that when you drink you're making these horrible decisions and you keep drinking and keep making these horrible decisions over and over and over again like you're not learning from it and so i know people that come into our business and and they're five days a week and they're drinking a liter of beer a couple liters of beer each each day but they go home they don't they they eat they sober up they go home to their wife their wife knows what they're doing they're they have a they have a, a good job they don't let any of this affect them negatively they have a good life and they're not an alcoholic because they use it as an escape you know if, if you go to germany it's a very common thing that you know you go to the pub and have a couple beers each day and go hang out with your friends and 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 they have developed a way now do people fall into it where they they make bad decisions and they become alcoholics absolutely it, it's 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 a problem in our industry and you know it's it's hopefully we can help people address that and we have over the years uh, but there's so many people that enjoy it for what it's meant for which well, I had is the author of, of, of drunk right sorry I cut you short no, no, so many people fine. who enjoy it which is you said is, do you want to finish that train of thought no it's, it's that, that there there is a benefit to it there's so many times it's it's great to kick back it's great to relax it's great to cheers and and, and have a drink right. with somebody uh, but you know it's it, it is something that if you don't what like I was saying I learned from a very early age that you have to respect it. You have it's like almost like the the river. When you're yeah. going down the river, it's like the river can kill you. Right. So you need to you need Not to be to respect the that river. Yeah. Yes. And the same thing with alcohol. And, and these people help me figure that out. Right. I mean, I have enough alcohol in my house to kill a small elephant. Dude, I was literally <laughs> going to use that line. I think that's a common line, and that's where I was going with this. I had the author of uh, Drunk: How We Sip, Dance, and Stumbled Our Way into. Okay. Uh, society and he makes the argument and I agree and, you, and you're right like there is a lot of benefit to alcohol for our mental health sure. but it's it's a matter of using and abusing yes. and I think that we live in a world now where it's easier than ever to abuse alcohol because I think it's weird all we know of alcohol today is what we like if you're alive today all you know is a, an abundant amount of alcohol we've gotten so good at producing mass producing alcohol and not only is there more alcohol than ever but it's also way stronger than ever before distilled alcohol is only a couple hundred year old invention like 400 years the I, know, oldest. I, I, I bet you that moonshine was something when they were when they were making the moonshine back but, in the day yeah but i'm the point i'm saying even that that alcohol back in the day what that's like the 1800s 1700s are making moonshine over here. I think that during Prohibition, that weren't they? I think that was well, a, this a 19, big thing. 1940s, yeah. right? Like that's only like uh, 80 years ago. I'm saying sure. in the big picture, we're talking about humanity oh, yeah, going sure. back 10,000 yeah. years ago when yeah, we started the agricultural saying. revolution. Sure, like whole societies came together to grow crops and to turn these things into mm-hmm. substances that we could consume. Um, but the thing is, so much energy went into it, and the the the, the we only yielded so much, right? And the, the the it wasn't that strong. So, I mean, it's a great book, but the point is like. I think that, to your point, like there's a lot of good, and I, I, we're here to talk about the restaurant business. But I mean, I, this is, I advocate for alcohol all the time, and like I think I'm as somebody who drinks regularly in the sense of like I'm out on the road a lot. I talk sure. to people; yeah. they offer me a drink, never more than three drinks at once, mm-hmm. right? You right. know, like on average two. You know, but it, it does so good for communicating, putting you at ease, opening up, learning about people. It's a beautiful thing. It I is. love alcohol. It is, and I think it's good at the same breath to take a break every now and then. I actually just, just am finishing up a month of not having any alcohol That's awesome. what, whatsoever. And I do that, I try to do that about once a year where I'll take a month and completely take off. And it's not ever scheduled or anything. I don't think like, okay, it's this month. I just, 
I look at it and say, like, <laughs> my brother got married and uh, we were we were drinking a lot out at, in Kauai. It was a destination wedding, so we, we went out there and, and, and had a good time and then came back and he had a party when we got back. And so I was like, okay, it's time. I, yeah. I, I, we've been having a lot of fun. We've been <laughs> indulging. I need a little break. I need a little cleanse. And, and so um, focused on not drinking for a month and didn't have a sip. And uh, we're going to go see Bill Burr. Uh, oh, this Saturday, nice. so I said uh, t- Saturday will be the will be one month. Nice. So I love that. So the, originally, I asked you what did you learn from your parents, and the the, the this we, we got here because you said that, you know they let you into the business, mm-hmm. right? And you could see these people, and you could learn from their mistakes. Uh, but the other thing, you, from a very young age, business was on the table. Yes, like you guys would sit at the table and you would talk about business. Um, how did that influence you? So, you know, I think back. And, you know, you really don't think about these things until you sit down in an interview like this. So as I was sitting here thinking about it, our, my, my dad – so my dad was mo- mostly the business runner. My mom had a very successful real estate business. She's a broker, still to this day a broker, and, and still does amazing amazing stuff in real estate. So my dad was mainly the focus on the business. I And I grew up working with my dad in the businesses. Uh, so when I think about the – the entertainment business he didn't ha- he didn't do what we do today it was very much like all based off of relationships uh he would he would spend a lot of time cultivating the culture but never in the way that we talk about it today right. we didn't have vision statements we didn't have uh he was training guides yeah yeah he was the culture there was no training guides there was nothing there was no procedures i remember we used to have uh we got these so we would have we have leagues in the bowling center. So we have leagues, and there's you, you have these score sheets, and they would cut these score sheets up, and we'd print on the back of them four uh, you know four different sheets that we'd have, and it would just basically be like what was the income today? Were we over? Were we short? Did we? How much did we discount or, or avoid? Uh, you know, just the basics. And he would get this piece of paper handwritten by the bookkeeper that would come to his desk every morning with the with the she would count the banks and he would get to see what the revenue was and he knew a monday how much monday should have been brought in uh, during the day shift how much the night shift should have been brought in all the way every 7 days a week he knew exactly what he knew the, the patterns he knew the patterns and yeah. he knew if something was off and and he was there he was seeing it every day so he would see man it was busy today sales were only $2000 what what's going on you know why is it that that they're What's off? Yeah, what's off? What's happening? And so he would then look into it, and he—that was his method of of being able to see what was happening. And he he spent a lot of time helping his team out, helping you know develop, train people, and just treat people right. That's what I remember the most is is that we always had great relationships. I remember him loaning money to one of our bartenders to buy her first house, and I remember just things he would do to, to go out of his way to help people move, to help people uh, with problems in their life, sit down and talk to him. And, he, and the guests the same way. He would sit down at the bar and have a drink with somebody and talk to them and, and find out about them, find out about you know what, what their lives are about, who they were. He knew them all. He'd walk through the bar. They all say, well, to this day, people come into our business. Oh, I remember your father. You know, he used to do this for us and, and he, a great guy. We had great conversations and how's your mother doing? And they always yeah. knew. They always, they always ask because they, 
had such great relationships with everybody. I would say behind every great restaurant and really behind every great business for that matter is a great person, yeah. right? And it sounds like, and this is the, listen to you talk, talking about your dad and your mom kind of reminds me of my parents where they, they were loved. Everybody mm-hmm. in that community knew them. They were always there. Like, but if they weren't there, the business yeah. didn't run, you know? Yep. So it's like this idea of like, Yes, like you can be a successful business owner if you're there all the time and you are the culture and sure. you are the systems because you know where everything has to be and you're constantly keeping that that gentle pressure on keeping things in place. But what happens when you leave? Right, right. And um, that's why we're here to start this podcast is yes. to like to take that that chaos of like the human element and the culture that is chaos, right? Mm-hmm. Or the, the 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 I think I I think of culture as chaos. It's like the un, the the things that are intangible, you know, like that. You, the the like the the human side of things, and it sounded like your dad had that. So my my dad was very much uh, that culture. He 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 definitely knew how to treat people. He definitely knew how to treat guests, uh, how to treat his team, how to grow a business. And he set the standard, and people would see that, and that, and they would walk, they would follow in his path. And then this is how we this is how we conduct ourselves when we're here. I, I, when you say what what lessons did he teach, I remember regularly he would teach us: we never fire people. We have to let him go, mm. and and I remember that always sticking with me. And Why? we we, we were, well because when you fire somebody, it's it's like I think of you know you're fired, you're out of here, yeah. you know don't come don't come back. I can't tell you how many people that we've had to let go over the years that are regular customers of ours today, because we've always treated them with them with respect. One of my favorite lines that somebody once told me was he would he was suspending his team member and he was talking to them and just saying, Hey man, if this doesn't, if you can't figure this out, we're not going to be able to continue moving on. And one day they came in and they continued doing what they weren't supposed to be doing. And he said, I'm going to have to let you go. And they said, you're firing me. And he said, no, you fired yourself. And that to me was a, a big statement because if we're doing our jobs, right, we're setting a clear path to happiness in our business, to being able to enjoy yourself while at work and take care of our guests and what our expectations are. And then if they're not, if the team member isn't, has gone through training and somehow we've miscommunicated to them or haven't spread our vision and our expectations to them, then we sit down with them and we have meetings with them. There's very few things like if somebody steals from us, if somebody, you know, does something very egregious inside the restaurant or in the business, then, then we would turn them on, on, on the spot and say, we can't, we're not going to be able to continue on. We're going to have to let you go uh, because of this and this obvious reason. But almost everybody has that opportunity to sit down and say, hey, what's happening here? What's going on? Why, why are we having this conversation? And I have a manager, he does not like to, to write at people. He does not like to suspend people. And I tell him, I said, this is, this is so crucial part of what we do because this is us communicating to them, giving them the opportunity to fix this problem, to meet our expectations so that we can move forward in a positive way. And I want people to succeed. I want people to be happy when they come to work. I don't want to have to talk to them and pull them aside, write them up, suspend them. So the best way to avoid doing that is to lay out clear expectations and then to sit down and have a conversation. Sometimes, like I never sit down and have a conversation with a write-up and go, Here's what happened. I'm writing you up. There it is. Right. It doesn't what, happen. What I'm hearing from you is like, like 
sometimes you have to let people go because they're not even on the right path. Like sure. staying with you is not doing them any favors. Right. Like they're not meant to do the work that you have. For yes. Them. And by by keeping them, by not letting them go, you're not doing them any justice. Or yourself. Or you're, or done, yourself. you're doing you're doing them a disjustice, you're doing yourself a disjustice. So for me, it's having that clear expectation and that there are conversations that we've had to have with people before and say, "Hey, you know what? I want you to succeed in life. I want you to be happy." It's not going to happen here. Happen here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, this it's, is. Have you considered this? Yeah. For my, you know, three months working with you or whatever it was, mm-hmm. like I've noticed these things about you. Right. Have you ever thought about getting into sales? Have you ever right. thought about whatever? Like you're sure. on the wrong path. Like this is what you're good at. Try this. Maybe I know somebody. You know, like. I mean, and some people think I don't even want to spend the time. I'm just letting him go. See you later, or I'm firing him. See you later. I like to sit down and I like to explain to them because sometimes you you actually, even in that last moment that they're working for you, you connect with them and you help them see what the fault is on how we got to this point. Right. And, and you say to them, you know, like, hey, there is no turning back. We're not going to, we've, we've given you the chances to, to right this wrong and you can't seem to figure it out and we're not going to live on this threat basis of it's if candor. you don't do this we're going to have to let you go it's it's this isn't working out yeah but i want you to succeed at the next place you go to and so this is really what what led us to making this decision right so your dad ultimately taught you how to be a respectful bis- business person in the sense of building a culture doing the right thing treating people well and developing a personal reputation for yourself i'd say both of them but my, yeah. my mother and father they, yeah. they always treated people kindly they treated people with respect they treated people the way that they would want to be treated. And then they treated us the same way. You know, we, and a lot of the ways that we grew up, the ways that we were disciplined as children, led into how we treat our team. How you know, are you disciplined as children? Well, it was, again, laying out clear expectations and then saying, I, I'm going to give you the responsibility to make these decisions and, and make them right. And if you don't, you're going to lose your freedoms. You're going to lose how. These are the terms. Yeah, these are the terms. These are the consequences. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and you know, you're, you're a great kid. If you're a great kid and you, you do what our expectations are, you know, you show up to school, you do well there, you, you know, you don't get into trouble, you know, have fun. We're going to give you those freedoms to do what you want to do. And we had so many freedoms as kids yeah. to, to, to go out and explore and, and have fun, ride motorcycles yeah. and, you know, this go out like with friends. And, up. Oh, it's, it is. I it bet, is. dude. Yeah, this um, area is, is, is hard to beat in the respect of what is around us. We have rivers, we have mountains, we have skiing, we have the ocean that's not too far away, um, dirt bike riding, go shooting up in the mountains, shooting guns. and I mean, it's, it's a recreational place to, to it, really it looks enjoy. Like it. So before we take a break to thank our sponsors and we talk about kind of how, like, when you started to get more involved, now you're, you and your partners, your, your co-owner, you have how many par- total partners? Four. Yeah, so in, we have four. In both locations? Four, all family, owned and operated. It's my brother, Jeremy, my sister, Monica, our father, Wally, and then myself. So four, four partners. Jer- Jeremy, Monica. And Wally. Wally and you. Yep. Wally, Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, so giving your dad constructive criticism mm. we talked about a lot about what he was good at but what like what what were the, the the things you think that you learned not to do or you could do better so and i think he even learned these these lessons so my dad was a workaholic he would go to work all the time and he felt like you need to be present in the business to be able to run the business and so we grew up learning that we had to be there every Friday, Saturday. I remember a, about a 10-year stint that my brother and I worked every single Friday, Saturday night 
I, we could count on one hand the amount of Fridays or Saturdays that we would take off to in that 10-year span to do something fun for ourselves. We were there every night because that was when it was busiest and we were growing a business and that was what was instilled upon us. And over the years, we've learned how to create systems and processes to be able to be there when we're not there, to be able to have our influence on the business, to have it run the way that we want it to be run and then be able to look back and see that it was run that way. Right. So that was, the, that was the key that we learned over that time frame of how you know where I would look at constructive criticism is is how to not be there but be there, be present and and run a successful business that doesn't require us to actually be standing in that building. Have at a all system times. dependent operation, yes. not a person dependent operation. Hundred um, percent. That was probably the biggest thing that I could say that I could point to. Um, and this you know, is every business back in the day. I feel yeah. like the majority of businesses, unless you had a bunch of money and you could hire consultants to teach you how to build these systems and processes and give you the big picture yep. of what, uh, how to scale a business or like to treat your little business like a big business. Most people didn't know how big businesses right. worked. That information is readily available today. It's, it's like more and more small businesses are acting like bi- big businesses than ever before. I would say you're absolutely right on that. And, and what we have as far as at our fingertips information to be able to know how to do this right is unparalleled. My dad did not have that when right. when we were when he was starting up the business. It's not it their was, fault. It wasn't no. my parents' fault for struggling either. It was information was not readily available, and he didn't go to school for business. He didn't. He was more hard knocks. That was how he learned how to do things, and it was that his system that he knew that he taught us. It worked. Mm-hmm. It just was hard to scale. Mm. It was hard to scale. It was hard to grow at the rate that we grew our business, but. He also saw, like, I'm sending you to school to learn these things. And and the money he was paying, he said, I want to see the return on that. I want to see what you're going to do because – and then when I came back with, okay, I have these projects, these things that we're working on, these things to make the business better – he was reluctant, and he didn't want to do it because it would change. And <laughs> you he was made like, this monster, Dad. Yeah. And I said, I said, listen, this is what you're paying me to go. You're paying yeah. to, for me to go to school, and you want me to show you what they're teaching me. Let me show you. And I remember the the first the, the biggest thing. I had an operations management teacher named Bill Daly, and I tried to reach out to him in the last uh, year just to see if I can contact him, but I. I I couldn't get him, but he's he was probably the biggest impact at Sac State uh, that had on me. His his class alone changed the directory of it paid for our entire biggest my, lesson he gave you. So I would I would say the op, he was an operations management teacher, and what he showed me in that class was how do we set up our business to be functional to where we can increase the flow and be able to use the same area but produce more out of that area. So what I went back to is I went back and I looked at our well and we had a one-tray a one well. And that one-tray well had sweet vermouth and dry vermouth and, and things that we just never use in that well. And I watched our bartenders constantly going to the main, to the main well, which was a few steps away, to grab everything. And then the glassware was over in the middle of the bar just because that's where he, he had everything set up. Well, all the glassware was there. So to grab a drink, I timed it. And it's like, it takes like several minutes just to make a cocktail when it should take 30 seconds and you should be able to get that cocktail done. But you have to have everything at hand's reach. Right. So I double the size of the well. And 
we moved the glassware right next to each of the wells and we increased and added another well. And then we put the things in the well, the double well, that were actually things that we used the most. And then we changed that layout so that what they were turning around to grab was the things that we went through the most, the 80-20 rule of we're using 80, you know, 80% of our sales are these 20% of products. And we were grabbing those 20% of products and making sure they're visible and that they're easy to, to access. So we changed all those things. And, and I literally said, watch what we're going to do. And he thought, man, I'm spending money on my crew, my, my, my maintenance crew to... On steps. On steps. And, and this just seems like it's, it was fine right there. Why does it need to be over here? And we watched a, a night where on our busiest nights where we were doing $3,000, $3,500 in sales. And I showed him within months that regular number of, if we did great was 35, we could do 75 and then 85. And then we opened up throughput. a second bar yeah. and we were doing 12,000. And I told him, I said, before we did all this, I said, dad, one day we're going to be doing double to triple the sales that we're doing now out of the same bar with the same guests. And he said, there's no way it's going to happen. And it was about a year later. We had our first twenty thousand dollar night. Wow! And it was like he—he's just like, okay, uh, I'll, I'll let you make a couple other changes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. Uh, we're gonna take a break. Thank our sponsors. We'll be right back to talk about kind of the 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 evolution of the businesses as the the torch has been passed. This episode is brought to you by Restaurant Technologies Inc. RTI's total oil management automates your entire cooking oil process with total oil management. You get dependable fresh bulk cooking oil delivery, filtration plus oil usage monitoring and reporting, easy oil disposal, used cooking oil pickup and recycling, and say goodbye to those messy, dangerous restaurant rendering tanks. Yuck. RTI's end-to-end cooking oil system helps you manage your used cooking oil disposal, storage, collection, and recycling conveniently, safely, and cleanly with no upfront cost. RTI services are not limited to oil. They also provide insurance premiums and automated hood cleaning solutions plus hood filtration systems, making your hood cleaning process easy, automatic, and worry-free. In addition to all this, Restaurant Technologies, Inc. can help you reduce your carbon footprint, which we all know is becoming increasingly more important to the consumer. Restaurant Technologies, Inc. is always on, so you don't have to be. To learn more, head to rti-inc.com and let them know Restaurant Unstoppable Podcast sent you their way. This episode is brought to you by Margin Edge. Margin Edge is a restaurant management software that helps you see your food and labor costs in real time so you can make informed decisions in the moment. Just snap a picture of your invoice and Margin Edge will process them within 24 to 48 hours with line item detail, including handwritten adjustments. This allows you to save hours on paperwork so you can spend more time on creating great guest experience. Margin Edge combines purchases from your invoices and sales data from your POS, which allows you to get real-time costing, get a daily controllable P&L, and send information directly into your accounting system. Margin Edge integrates with 60-plus POS systems and dozens of accounting systems. Manage everything from one central location, inventory, recipes, plate costs, ordering, and bill pay. Margin Edge was created by restaurant people for restaurant people. And as a matter of fact, Margin Edge founders continue to operate restaurants to this day. Head to MarginEdge.com slash unstoppable to sign up for a free demo today. That's MarginEdge.com slash unstoppable. 
We're back. And before we talk about like the passing of the baton or the passing of the torch, um, is there anything in your story uh, before like you kind of get, started to have more control of the business that we're overlooking in terms of your personal evolution? Well, you know, when, we, when I came into the business, my brother was already there. He's, he's, he's older than I am by a few years, by seven years. And so he was already doing the day-to-day. He was a part of the business. This is Jeremy. Um, Jeremy, yeah. Um, our sister had not got into the business yet. She had not been, you know, a yeah. part of it yet. Uh, so that was, uh, that was an evolution that was not necessarily natural. It's kind of like we, we all just found a time that we said, this is the time. We, one of the requirements that my, my, our dad had for us, and I think it's a crucial requirement for anybody who's doing a family business, is we had to work for somebody else first. Well, I was going to ask, did you work for your yeah. family always, or did you get outside of perspective? That's what I was kind of looking He would for. not let us come into the business from, from day one. He said, you need to go find out what it's like to have a boss, what it's like to uh, have somebody else telling you what to do, and you're going to do that for a few years before you ever even consider coming on board. And so for me, so my brother, he worked at a video store, and then he worked at, uh, out here it's now called uh, Costco. Uh, at the time it was called Price Club, and he, he worked in the tire center there. So each of us had, and for me, I ended up working, my first job was at a toy store um, in, in the outlets here in town, and then... I went to uh, Albertsons. I used to hear the commercials for Albertsons. I said, I'm going to work there. And I, I worked really hard to get a job. I don't know why. It was just I heard these commercials, and I said, I'm going to work at Albertsons. So a grocery store out in our area, not, not, not in business anymore, I don't think. So I uh, worked at Albertsons for three and a half years. And then my transition was going to, to, to work for the family after Albertsons. And how old were you when you made that transition? So I started at I started working when at the, the Toy Liquidators, I think about 15 and a half, 16 years old. I worked there for just, just the holiday season, and then I worked for Albertsons for about three and a half years. So, like 18, 19? 19 years old. So you've been pretty much in the family business for yeah. the majority of your life. The majority of my life. And Got even it. I would help out DJing on the weekends at, you know, for globaling and, and things like that when, when I was a teenager. And then I graduated from college in, uh, I think it was 03. Uh, 2003, I graduated from college. And so that's when I really, really jumped into the business. And, and even when I started, it wasn't well, for each of us, it wasn't you're a manager, you're running the show. It was you're a DJ or you're a, uh, you know, you're, you're working as a bartender. I, I bartended for God, probably five, six years and, and became, worked my way up to being the so head from bartender. 2003 to 2008. Uh, 2009 to be honest with you technically it was before i was legal to be able to be a bartender i was a bartender okay <laughs> and uh family business yes uh, uh so it, it was uh something that that happened a little bit prematurely and then and then going into i think until i was about 24 years old is probably bartending so when you graduated college in 03 um who who owned the business then so so my parents were divorced. Uh, I'm going to be foggy on. I was pro- I was probably 13 or 14 years old. I'm going to guess when, uh, maybe even 15, when my parents finally when they divorced, and they were together for many many years. I think like 28, 30 years, something like that. Uh, that they were married for. So my dad became the sole proprietor, uh, sole owner of FLB Entertainment Center, and 
he did not. We, we, we had no ownership in that business at that time. Uh, over the years, I mean, we're talking, we were invested 10, 10 plus years of working for the family business that we started to get a couple percentages of ownership. When did you start to get percentage of ownership? I would say I was probably around 28 to 28 to 30 years old. I started getting percentages of ownership after working there for many years. And So 2008. And, and I wasn't even really paid well. <laughs> 2008? When you were 30 uh, years old? Is that safe to say? If you are born in 78, 2008 yeah. would have been around when yeah, you started I would say getting so. equity and, in the business. And, and what he started to see was that we were, you know, that was, so my dad retired at about, uh, in about 06. He, he he retired around 06 to 07, and it was like the slow retirement. It was the weirdest thing. He it, it was like he was there every single day, and we started saying, Dad, we got this. We got this. You know, like we, we've got this business under control. We're running it really well. You see the numbers. You see the growth. You see what we're doing. You see how we're cutting costs or we're really running the business well. We've got this. You should relax a little bit. And then one day I remember sitting there talking to my brother, and I said, I haven't seen Dad in a week or two. And he's like, yeah, no. Should we go he, check on him? Yeah, like, <laughs> what's he been doing? Oh, he was working on something. He's working on his property, doing something. And then it was done. He was done. He, we never saw him. He was, I'm going to go work on the property. I'm going to do this. And he just finally said, I'm retired. And he would still come back. And, and he always, to this day, he's still a part of the business means when we have, uh, if we're doing anything, I'd say like half a million dollars above, he's a part of it. He, he wants to be a part of it. He wants to know what's going on. He wants to know what our plan is. Uh, when we built Wally's, he was here every day building this building with us. He's, he's a renaissance man, so he can build a building. He can fix plumbing. He can fix electrical. He can fix heating and air. I mean, it doesn't, there's, there, there's nothing that he's scared of doing right. or is not willing to tackle. When, when did Wally's open? 2015. Okay. We, bought, we bought the building and land in 2013. And it opened in 2015, January 15th. Okay, let's let's kind of, kind of like hone in here on the evolution. Okay. Um, so from like generational evolution, right? Um, so right now, as of today, you mentioned it's you, Jeremy, who, who's your older brother, mm-hmm. Monica, who's your wife? Nope, younger sister. Younger sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and doesn't your your wife's in the industry too, isn't she? She is. Why is that she, in my head? So my wife is the controller of a restaurant group. That's what it was in Lake Tahoe called the Tahoe Restaurant Group. So Jeremy, your brother, Monica, your sister, your dad, and you all share. Um, what are the lanes? How do you guys know who's in what lanes? Do you complement each other or do you share responsibility? We we actually, it's kind of funny how it just all naturally turned out, but we all do different things and we all have different strengths. Uh, my brother and sister would never sit down on a podcast with you. They'll listen to it. They wish me good luck this morning. Uh, they would not sit down and do this interview. Uh, it's just not their wheelhouse. That's not their strength. Uh, my sister oversees our entertainment center. And when we had our casino, um, she was very, very much involved in overseeing the casino operations and, and the day-to-day there. Now she's in the day-to-day at our FLB Entertainment Center. She sees oversees all of that. Uh, my brother, he bounces between both locations, and he does a lot of the maintenance and the upkeep and making sure everything's running right and making sure that that both businesses are the, – the infrastructure is solid, and we do a ton of remodel. We're always working on making the places better. So he's, you know, always working on – those things and he runs he doesn't do them all himself he runs a crew that does them and then he helps out and he he ensures that what they're doing is done right okay and then there's you and then there's me and i'm i'm more of the operations side i'm definitely on the pr side i do uh i'm the driving factor for 
the different systems that we have, and then my sister and, and brother will work on helping us evolve those systems. You know, so we'll we'll constantly be working on making our places better, on making our training systems better, on you know evolving with POS, evolving with systems, and and each of them get involved. I, I'm usually the one that's that's driving that and steering the ship, and then they're making sure everything's working right. And okay. So as as the industry is, or not as the industry, as the business is changing hands and evolving to the, the new generation, what are the biggest evolutionary points that you had? I mean, I think probably just starting with the, the sports center, right? Mm-hmm. And then 2015, you opened Wally's. So, so, yeah, there's a funny one there because, so going back in time frame here, 2006, our dad steps away from the business and says, it's, it's on you guys now. You guys are going to be the ones running. You showed me that you can run this business. You showed me you can grow this business. And we grew the business uh, from 2003 to 2006 tremendously. Uh, we, we actually, at going in, so 2006 and then everybody knows can what you happened. numbers? Yeah. So, uh, so in, in 2003, FLB Entertainment Center was doing around $1.2 million. And from 2003 to 2006, 2007, we had grown it to being about 1.6 million, 1.7 million. Okay, so another like 500,000. Right. right. But significant growth from where we were, right? So, uh, and that was just through same practices, but then bringing in these new things like I was telling you about with little uh, tweaks. Little tweaks, yes. Yeah. And then. Then we have 07 and 08 hit. We have a recession. I was right. And so we're like, what the hell? What's going on now? Like we are, we're going through our first recession or our only recession that we've ever experienced as a family right. in a family-owned business. And I remember going to – so we were advertising at the time. We had, we had commercials on Comcast Cable, which is a local cable company out here. And cable advertising was really big at that time. It was where you spent your money. Social media wasn't really a thing. So – we, we were a small location that had a commercial on TV, and we did radio spots and so forth. And I remember as a family, we were all thinking, we need to cut back because we have this mass of things happening in our country, and we're going through this recession, and we need to cut back. We need to save. And I went to this seminar that Comcast Cable put on, and it was really smart they put it on because they got people like me to go, okay, we can do this. But I went to this seminar. It was called Main Street versus Wall Street or Wall Street versus Main Street, something like that. And they talked about it and they said, you know, we think about Wall Street and everybody, oh, well, you know what's happening on Wall Street and everything's failing and, and it's crazy times. But nobody really looks at Main Street. And they said, so they started showing us. They said, you know, look at all these computer stores. They're going out of business. They're dying. But then look at the Apple store. And the Apple store is crazy busy. It's like absolutely packed and everybody's in there spending money and it's in a recession and they're just blowing through money at the Apple store. Uh, look at this restaurant over here. These restaurants are going out of business. And then look at this restaurant, and it's absolutely packed, and it's super busy. And so they were really strategic. They, they knew the audience in the room, this, this group that, that put on this seminar, and they touched on each of the industries, and they said, here's all these people that you're seeing on Wall Street failing. Then here's the people down the street from you that are succeeding. What makes it different, and how are they succeeding? And And... How can you think of your business to succeed like that? Instead of putting your foot on the brake, why don't you put your foot on the pedal? And so we were unconventional in 2008. 
And instead of putting our foot on the brake, I convinced my family to let's continue advertising. And you haven't, I don't think you've, have you met Wally? Have you met our father yet? No, I haven't. So his picture is over there on the wall. Okay. Uh, and, and I don't know if you can see it from here, but he is a dead ringer for the most interesting man in the world, the Dos Equis man. <laughs> yeah. A dead ringer. And not only is he a dead ringer, but he talks his accent from being from Germany and then being over here is that guy's accent. That's it awesome. is verbatim. Like he tries, you can't try not to talk like how he talks. The funny thing is, is that guy's an actor and he doesn't talk like that at all oh, in really? real life. But in his character of, I'm the most interesting man in the world, our father talks just like that guy. <laughs> so when those commercials started coming out, it was around that time and people started saying, man, you're, that's a Dosakis guy right there. That's a Dosakis guy. And it was, he would, just walk around and people think would think it's him. And he came up to me one day. He said, "People keep thinking that I'm this uh, this most interesting guy or something like that." And I said, "Oh, geez, <laughs> shit, you, you do look a lot like him." And so we we decided on Comcast to launch this commercial series called "The Luckiest Man in the World." And our father played, "I'm the luckiest man in the world," and, and he's not an actor. Our dad's not a great. It was super personable, very, uh, very outgoing. I'll even see if I can get him to come over and have lunch with us today because he's right down the street. Uh, but he is, he is, he is one of the most interesting people I've ever met, and he is a, he is a, in real life, he's incredibly interesting. And everybody that knows him and talks to him is like, wow, this guy's, this guy's interesting. So we did this, we did this. Uh, he's the luckiest man in the world, and it kind of played because we had at the time we had Lucky's Barbershop. we had uh, the the casino right and so this idea of lucky really played in and so we came up with all these scripts and we started doing commercials of the luckiest man in the world and we actually paid a, a production company to come out and do a real high-end high-resolution movie cameras set commercial out of it but we marketed the hell out of it and we were pushing it constantly on social media and and, and we were Every every week we had parties. It was one party after another party. We did all these wild parties, um, and and we drew in people as much as we could do. I mean, from your your main ones like the Halloween parties and the uh, St. Patrick's Day parties, but then we threw these pimps and hoes parties and you know these wild parties that just people were like all new commercials or no no no. This was all just. In the bar to just boost business. Got just, it. So events. how can we be relevant? Events. It's yeah. Very event driven. That's one of the bigger lessons I've learned in the bar industry is that you're not, you are in the event industry. Mm. Every day there's an event. There's something going on. You're in the promotional event industry and you're promoting events at your space. I always say that when I train people, I say we are an entertainment business and the entertainment doesn't just, it's not just one thing. It's like somebody's coming in here for a reason. So when you're looking around our place and I'm going to put myself on the spot here. Um, yeah. So if you're looking around our business right now, every TV is on a different station. I didn't set up this morning this is a normal setup but i'm just making sure it's not, i'm not gonna look bad here but every, every tv is on a different spot and so it's like there's hockey playing there's tennis playing there's racing that's happening over here there was there's monster some, cars behind you at one point yeah, I, I was believe. really distracted i was like oh you had to sit behind the monster cars uh <laughs> yeah if there was a, if there was a motocross race over here that would have been bad for me uh <laughs> So we have all these things that are happening because when somebody comes into the restaurant or into our sports bars, they're, they're, being, they're coming in for entertainment. So some people are coming in to be entertained, but 
guess what? That hockey game is going to go to commercial. So then what are you going to look at? Right. And that, and if you're, you're watching football on a Sunday football, you might be watching your game, but then all of a sudden this game's got some really crazy action. And then today, especially with, um, you know, the, the way that people bet on the, on the teams and they have these fantasy leagues and right. so forth, they're watching all the games because they're, they're tracking that player on their fantasy team and that player. So, Having a variety of TVs on different things, having the volume at the right level, having uh, you know entertainment for your kids when you're coming into a restaurant. We have these really cool. I'll show them to you later. But we have these really cool um, coloring books, placemats okay. that, that 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 go down, and they're unique to our restaurant. They're designed for our restaurant. So there's tic tac toe on there. There's a word puzzle on there. There's coloring in Wally and and the Wally's team like we have like a South Park kind of a look to our character our caricatures of each of us and we it's fun and the kids have something to do we have these uh uh, wiki sticks that we do and and uh, in our restaurant group we found out that there's somebody that that likes to you know that, that that has success with them so we brought them into our restaurant and now when people come in it's again going through those steps of service but it's allowing the guests to escape uh, having the freedom to escape for happiness. So parents are huge with that. You know, if, right. you, if you're if, as a parent, you want to be able to enjoy yourself. Well, if your kids are enjoying themselves and they're having fun, then you can actually say, "Hey, how was your day?" Right. This 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 tear you're going on started with Xfinity Comcast yes. event. Wow. And the lesson is the underlying lesson is if I'm and correct me if I'm wrong is don't run from the problem. Run. Run at it. Run into it. Yeah. Tackle. Figure it out. Don't always be resilient. Always look for a solution. Don't just say, well, you know how Wall Street is or you know how the economy is. You know how, you know what, what our president's like. You know, it, these are excuses and they're macro excuses. They're, they're very big picture excuses. They're not excuses. If, if you're right, then every restaurant and every business that you walk into down the street should be dead. Yeah. And they're not. They're not. They're absolutely, they're, they're busy. There's places that are around you that are busy. And if you're saying it's the economy, you're wrong. Because if you go down the street and somebody's busy, it's not the economy, it's you. Right. It's, it's like this idea of like, if you say that there's no, if like we're out of solutions, mm-hmm. right? If, we're, if the economy's crashing and there's nothing we can do, then you're not going to do anything. Right. Your brain's going to shut off. Yep. But if you if you run into it and you start thinking how can we overcome this, sure, you just start getting creative. Things just start coming into your mind, like little, and it's it's like it's 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 success by a thousand cuts, mm-hmm. right? Not death by a, a thousand cuts, but success because you're just you're tweaking, you're making little things, you're overcoming the obstacles, yep. and and yeah, I mean, I would say it's on. not one thing. Like you, you don't you don't walk into our business and say this is why they're successful. It's not one thing. There's not one thing that defines our success where we could say. Because we did this or because we market here, because we do this, we are successful. It is, it is a multitude of things, and then it's the things that we're not doing today even that we're going to be doing tomorrow, that we're working on, that we're working on perfecting, that we're working on making better constantly. So it's efficiencies in systems and little tweaks behind the bar and things like that, but it's also experience-based. Innovation, innovation and just looking, just striving to do better every single day. When did your system start to change? When, like, when did, like... When did things really start to get to the next level where you or your brother or your sister didn't have to be here, your dad didn't have to be here? Well, I mean, I remember the first time that systems started to change, and it was sitting back in college and looking at our numbers and and, and going over our our um, P&L? Yeah, P&L, and we're looking at it, and I'm, I'm going over these accounts, and I'm going, I'm comparing one year to the next, and, and then I remember 
we ended up determining that we just put numbers in there. Like it's not, there's not any rhyme or reason on how this stuff is working. Like that's not actually what we spend on marketing. It's just what the accountant said that we should put there for marketing. And he, you know, we couldn't give him the specifics because we weren't tracking the specifics and you don't legally have to track the specifics. You just have to make sure you pay your taxes on the money that you make. So we, you know, those are all in-house measurements and we had them all like we were supposed to have them there, but we didn't track them. Right. And so, the first thing that I noticed was like, we're not tracking our numbers. We have no idea what we're doing. So let's start there. Let's start with getting an idea. We know we're profitable. We know that we're running a great business. We know we're growing a business. We're growing sales. We know we have a product that people love. Let's start actually starting to figure out what it is that we could do better, what it is that we are doing great, and then let's start growing those aspects. So that was the first part of learning systems and processes was actually you know, and, and, and all that stuff doesn't matter unless you have a product that people want and you have a service that people are looking to come back to day after day. So I think first and foremost, you got to start there. Make sure you have a product and you're you're defined. You're you're building a you're building a business that people are going to want to come back to. If you don't have that, don't worry about your systems and processes because you're just going to slow. You're you're going to last longer, but you're maybe it'll help you figure it out until you figure it out or keep going until you figure it out. But and they're extremely important, but make sure that first and foremost that you have a product that people are going to love and that they're going to come back for and that you're taking care of your guests and you're taking care of your team. Because if you don't, if you don't have that, you're not going to be able to continue on. When did you have this realization that like the numbers that are in there aren't necessarily accurate? And when did you really start following and really paying attention and, and making sure all of your numbers were accurate? It was early 2000s and it took years. Uh, honestly, it took years because when you find, when you already, when you, if you start out the right way from the beginning, it's easier to, to keep that. But when you have a, a thing that's in motion, you know, you have this business where you have bookkeepers that are stuck in their ways of this is how I do it. This is what they're asking you. This is what you've asked me to do. Uh, then you have managers that, that are stuck in their ways. You have all these different people working harmoniously to run a great business, but not to do it in the way that you're asking them to do it. Right. It takes time to change. So it you took said, years. Yeah, you said you were at like 1.2, and then you went to like 1.7, 1.8 in that ballpark. Um, and then we hit the recession. Then you hit the recession. And in the recession, we went from, uh, we had grown the business to uh, 1.9. What percent profit were you doing, though? You know what? Back then, I couldn't even tell you. If you had a guess. Uh, if I had a so. If I had to guess, I would have guessed that we were around 8%. And the reason why I – so maybe even higher because in an entertainment center, it's a little different. If you're running a successful bowling center, it takes up a lot of square footage, but there's no real cost of goods sold a part, a part of that. You know, you have to oil the lanes and so forth, but that's more of a cost of doing business. Oh. There's not The cost of goods sold, so the, the – the profitability margin in the entertainment center is high. It just takes a lot of square footage. Up. Right. So, and square footage is not cheap, right? You could be, yeah. yeah, the real estate per square foot is not there, but the dollar, you know, the, the profit that that's the initial investments high, but once you get it going, it's kind of almost passive income. And our entertainment center was always spirit focused. It was always, you know, alcohol focused. So, we always had much higher numbers and our like our liquor license wasn't tied to like you have to have 75% food sales or anything. So we had very high liquor sales. We always have had high liquor sales at the location. So profitability there is also really good. So we were really profitable, but we didn't track bartenders. So we had a lot of bartender theft and we had a lot of uh, people that were able. Shrinkage. I mean, I, yeah. it, it's, it's sad to say, but I mean, we, 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 we calculated 
later on the hundreds of thousands of dollars that we had in theft and it goes back to and and i probably will throw out some statistics in here in this this interview and and they're they're not going to be accurate <laughs> but the <laughs> gist of the gist of it is is it's something along the lines of it no matter what you do uh you're going to have 20% of your team that is never going to steal from you no matter what you do. You can put that $100 bill and they're going to say, hey, you left this $100 bill and, yeah. you know, over here. And then you're going to have 20% that are going to steal from you no matter what you do. And then they can know there's cameras, they can know everything else. And then you have the 60% that will steal from you if they think they can get away with it. Okay. Now, granted, hiring right and all that, that can save a ton of time and ton of money and, and I'm a huge proponent of all that but the gist is is that if you're not monitoring your systems if you're not putting checks and balances in place good people will do bad things because they think they can get away with it and they justify it in their own means they you know, they're making plenty of money yeah they don't this need is, this yeah this is I'm I need it more than the guests um, yeah. you know they, they justify it in their own ways but if you set up these processes and procedures to, to stop that. And it's a really unfortunate because what, there's a long period of time where we the lost details? a lot of like, money. What were the processes and procedures that you started doing that you weren't doing that helps close that gap? So first and foremost, it was cameras. You know, we put up cameras. We put up management team, management teams that were regularly a manager on, on duty, watching over and teaching them what to look for, um, training properly, proper poor counts, proper training on what the expectations were proper i mean we're very honest with our team we're like we have cameras all throughout our business we actually monitor those cameras we have people that we're so friends we have so many friends that come in here that if you do something that you're not supposed to do they're going to let us know are you doing your inventory yourself the alcohol inventory yourself that's what that was the next big big thing that i was getting to is in 2015 things changed drastically for us uh so we were you open wallies uh, so fast forward now yeah we've gone so and and real quick jumping back to the 08 um we had we had had a, a hundred thousand dollar drop we went from we had built it up to 1.8 million in in 2008 or 2007 and in 2008 we dropped down to 1.7 um then by 2010 we had surpass the $2 million mark. See, here's something that I, I was hoping would come out earlier. When you go through hard times and you get creative to solve problems, mm. when times get good again, you're going to be that much better. Think about the pandemic. 1,000%. Think about how many people were forced to get off their fucking ass yeah. and do something about their digital ordering situation, yes. right? What? They they went from, I can only serve as many people are sitting in my restaurant to I can serve as many people as possible essentially who are willing to come pick up my food or deliver and like the blue got like the roof got blown off right because they were they were forced to appeal to the consumer at home and they were forced to update their technology so they could appeal to the consumer at home right but what happened thereafter now you have all these additional revenues we have all these channels right that's what, it sounds 100%. like that's what happened to you in 2008. 2008, that was our first time of being, you know, kicked in, you know, kicked in the nuts and what are you going to do now? But you're stronger than ever before because yeah. of the changes you were oh, forcing. Uh, we, we came out of that shining and we had our biggest growth years after that. 2010, you said and, two, 2 million? Uh, two, we broke 2 million. We did over 2, we did 2.1, over 2.1 in, in 2010. And we just, it was like a ramping stage at that point. We were looking at doing a, uh, $8 million remodel in 2013 or 2012. And 
because we own our own business and because the way that, um, you know, you, you have in our area 179 tax deductions and reinvesting back into the business, because the direction of the, you know, and this is more of a macro problem, the direction that the country was going in and, and how politics were being played, that wasn't something that they were extending that, that tax deduction, but it wasn't something you could count on. And so we decided that at that point, we didn't want to take an $8 million loan if we knew that we were going to, we had potential that we weren't going to be able to take that investment and reinvest it back into the business. And so we felt like it was too, too risky and too dangerous to put all of our eggs in one basket, which looking back today, had we built this, it probably would have been a $12 million center, you know, $12 million remodel, and then COVID would have hit. I mean, that could have just crippled us as a, right. as, a, as a family, as a company. So we decided to diversify. So we looked at what other places could we purchase. And for us, a big part of our business is owning the building, owning the land. So we don't have a landlord. We are the is landlord. Is that mom's influence? You know, I, I would say it was both. Uh, but mom was obviously a realtor, was obviously... Uh, she, she actually, this building, even though my parents were divorced at the time, she was our realtor to buy the Wally's Pizza Bar that we're sitting in today. And there's not a lot of mom and pops that are out there. You can't find these buildings to be able to buy. They're harder and harder to buy because what happens is they turn into strip malls yeah. like over here. And then it's a conglomerate of people and the barrier to entry has raised. So where you used to see these, you know, Highway 65 tire shops and uh, lumber shops and restaurants and everybody own their own stuff. That's not happening anymore. Right. And it's, it's sad because it makes that barrier to entry that much harder right. because you can't become a, a, your own, your own property owner. It also, and the downside f- for people listening is it, it is, it makes it harder for you to grow and to scale if that is your goal, because you now have that much bigger of a nut to, to be able to buy the buildings, buy the land, to pay that, that, that money to, to own it. But today we're sitting in a building that's paid off here at Wally's Pizza Bar. And our eight inter- years later, congratulations! Years later, and at Wally and at FLB Entertainment Center, that building's paid off. Wow! So, so now you own the assets, and that's appreciating. That's making money for you. Not only that, but it's not a payment that we have to make. I mean, we right. still make the payment to the company, but um, that's coming straight to us instead of coming to uh, a bigger picture. So, we. Um, or to a bank is what I meant to say. It's not, it's not going to a bank. It's not, you're not paying all this interest. You're not paying all these, you know, you, and then you can make your own decisions on how you want to run. If we decide that we want to, you know, build an additional building or if we want to change the way the building looks, so there's nobody that we're calling and we're asking. Right. We're just doing it. So, so at FLB, we had this big growth, right? And we continued on. We decided to diversify. In 2013, we bought this building. And we renovated it. We put a million dollars into this building to renovate it, at least a million dollars into the building to renovate it. Has it changed a lot since then? Since mm. the original renovation? Um, it, the pr- processes and procedures inside have changed a lot. The uh, building itself, I would not say we haven't done any major add-ons. The biggest add-on was during the shutdowns and the madness that we went through during that time, which I'm openly uh, very much against how all that went down. I don't but, want to get too much into that. Yeah, we, and we don't have to. <laughs> but, but like, what did you, how did you ch- your business change as a result of it? How are you better because of it? So I'll tell you exactly how we're better. Again, it came to that fighting instinct. It came to how are we going to survive? The day one that we got shut down was we were working on online ordering, and we were about three months away from, from testing it and putting it out. We launched it that day. We said, we're launching online ordering today. 
we were about a year away from testing and, and, and working out insurance policies and everything for delivery, we launched it three days later. So in March of 2020, basically. March 7th. drop the hammer and all these things started happening. All these things. And it was, it was not thinking about how could we do this the best possible way. It was we must do this. So the first two weeks of the shutdowns uh, after March 17th, we lost 75% of our business at Wally's Pizza Bar here. And... We said, okay, we have to do something. So we launched online ordering. We launched delivery. I was our first delivery driver. I, de- I delivered our first pizzas. Uh, and it wasn't, we didn't have delivery drivers. We didn't care about that. We, we knew we needed to do it. We needed to get out to people and bring the food to people. Um, we launched a grocery program. We have, if you remember in, the, in our area, we had massive grocery pro- problems where you couldn't get toilet paper. You couldn't get yeah. uh, eggs. You couldn't get rice. You couldn't get beans. You couldn't get clean chicken. And we launched our own grocery program in, inside the restaurant. And we were selling all those things. And we had different uh, sources that we were able to buy that we'd buy a big box of toilet paper. And we'd sell them by the individual yeah. uh, roll. And so we launched grocery program. After the grocery program, uh, ABC allowed us in California to sell alcohol to go. And we launched a to go alcohol program where we were doing half gallon and gallon margaritas and base camp lemonades and uh, you name it. I mean, we had all these rum runners. We had uh, at least five different drinks that we were selling in half gallon and gallon programs. Uh, we launched we, every so day. So you did we all were, the things you could do to stay afloat, basically. At every point. day we were doing social media, Facebook Lives, Instagram. We were telling about what we were doing. We were giving back to the first responders. We were, um, we, we, during that time, we realized this restaurant is not designed to be doing delivery and to go at the volume that we're doing. It's exclusively delivery and to go. And we were having backups and people were going nuts. So we said, okay, well, what can we do to fix this? We, we bought a shipping container. We, right here on the floor behind us when this place was empty, we put tape down, uh, just like have you ever seen the founder, the movie The Founder? Yeah, yeah. We put tape down on the floor here and just took a, a book, a, you know, page out of that book, and we designed a shipping container to exact specs of where the pizza warmers were going to go, where the coolers were going to go, where the registers were going to go, how we were going to get internet to there, how we were going to have a TV in there, how we were going to insulate it. We designed this entire shipping container to be a to-go hub. And we still use that to this yeah, day. Yes, I noticed it outside. Yeah. yeah. And so we put this to go hub together and it was like a game changer. Now people could come up, we could see them pull into the parking lot. We had to go parking. We were bringing to go food right to their car. We were delivering out of that to go hub. And no longer did we have a problem with being able to execute that. We'll now roll into 2020, later 2020, 2021. We now have online ordering as a stream of revenue. We have delivery, delivery. as a stream of revenue. We have Alcohol was for quite a while, and groceries was for maybe maybe three, four months. Uh, but we had these other streams of revenue that were actual big contributors to our overall success. And now we're so, – so let's, let's talk Wally's for a second. If we go back 2015, we – the year that we opened, we forecasted to do $1.2 million. And – in the first year that we were open, we did two point one wow. million. Just from Wally's alone. Just from Wally's alone. Wow. So Wally's went from forecasted one point two, we delivered at two point one, we grew every single year, and we never were, were really dealing with any recessions or anything. We were at steady growth. And then all of a sudden, twenty twenty hits and we had built the business up 
we had forecasted to do 3.2 million that year. So started at 2.1, we built it all the way up past 3 million. We forecasted to do 3.2 million in 2020. And we had done uh, 2.95 and in, in something like that in, um, in 2019. So 2020... 3.2 is a forecast. We lost 75% of Ooh. the business on, on the first two weeks. That got mitigated down to a 1.4% loss for the quarter. I looked up these numbers beforehand, and I'm not a savant <laughs> or anything, but I wanted to have some numbers for you uh, if we got into that. So we reduced that to a 1.4% loss for the quarter. By the end of the year, in 2020, we had done 3.56 million. Wow. And we had, I think the number is uh, a 16.7% growth over what we had, not over, but over what we had done the year before, but even in 2021. Growth, yeah, before 2019. That was 2020. Okay, so 2019 so, to 2020, yeah. 17% growth. Yeah, uh, 16, yeah, yeah. So we, we had, we had a, a real, it was, it was our biggest growth year to date on right. that time. Have and you continued to grow since? Yeah, so the, so that so now now we fast forward to 2021, right? So 2020, uh, 3.56. But now we have all these different forms of revenue. Oh, and I forgot to mention the outside seating. We had tents set up with lights underneath the tents, and we had TVs in there, and we had audio in there, and we had uh, air conditioning during the summer. Um, we were we were so now you have different areas. You could put more, more people seats, under yeah, more seats, more right? So 2021 happens, and we still had some of those things still in place out here in California. It was nuts out here. So we had still things happening over there. Uh, our county was open more than other counties, so people were coming from other counties to come here. Um, we drove the business. We still stayed on the foot pedal for, uh, you know, foot on the pedal for uh, marketing constantly, video ads, Everything that we could do to, to drive in business. And in 2021, we had our biggest growth year ever, and we did $4.8 million. Wow. And this is just wallets. 4.85. This, isn't, this isn't including uh, the sports center. No. This is strictly Wally's Pizza. What about the sports center? Were you, was that, that flatline at this point, or is it still growing? So, are, you, are you taking the lessons you're learning from Wally's and applying it there, too? I wish we could have. Um, this The entertainment center was was unfairly hit because bowling centers were targeted by our uh, communist governor and it, sorry I had to slip that in there and and it, he literally it, many other industries as well but bowling centers were one of the last places to open and so we we really got hit hard in the entertainment center well, we had it literally you. shut down I mean you have this foresight to not put all of your eggs into one basket mm-hmm. right and that, that ended up serving you so then, so then, not only did that happen, so we were shut down for much longer periods of time, but we, what we did do there, which was a really benefit, is we saw like, that opportunity again, and we actually did a huge remodel during the shutdowns. We tore that place apart, uh, the entire bar, and we, we did about a three-quarters of a million dollar remodel in making that all brand new. And so when people came back when we were open, they were like, what the heck? Like, yeah. who, who remodels during a shutdown? Right. You know, we did. <laughs> and we did because we were reminded back at that time frame. And we're, we're a business that's open seven days a week. 
So when else are you going to remodel? Right. You know, this was perfect. Time. You had to look at it. Yeah, as, the revenue. You know, yeah, you had to look at it as a silver lining. Like, what can we? How can we make this right? How right. can we make this beneficial to us? So even though we don't have the same uh, number success story there, uh, what we did have there was we had the success of completely remodeling that that venue to be this most amazing looking place that it is today. And it was something that was needed for, for a long period of time at that point. So, yeah. So a big part of what we we're talking about earlier is the, 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 the business was dependent on your dad and the culture and the people that were in the organization that he put together. Right. I know now as you evolve, I know you're using restaurant systems pro. When right. did, when did that come on? Scene? So, so Restaurant Systems Pro, we joined before we opened up the restaurant. It was so Wally's. Yeah, maybe maybe we started it at FLB about eight months before we opened up Wally's, and then we we knew we were going to do it. We knew we we needed to have systems and we needed to have processes. I had gone to Vegas. I had listened to uh, uh, Dave Scott Peters talk in Vegas, and he was very inspiring. And I I was just driven by their concept and their. What did he say that sold you on Restaurant Systems Pro? Well, if you've ever have you met David? I've met David. I've had him on the show three or four times. Okay, okay. he's so a great you know speaker. Yeah. yeah. Well, and he's he's no nonsense either. He'll tell you you're full of shit when you're full of shit, and he'll yeah. tell you that you don't know what you're talking about if you don't know what you're talking about. And and I, I that drew me that uh, I like somebody who's Candid. no nonsense. Yeah. You know, they're 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 going to be honest with you, and we needed honesty that we were getting into something that we did not know enough about, and we were. Well, is the bar industry. Yes. And so we knew that we wanted to be successful and we were trying something different. And everybody, you know, you talk to so many people. It's like what my buddy Steve Brown says uh, when somebody says, Pass hey, I got on the show. Yeah. Yeah. He says, uh, I want to, you know, somebody calls him for advice and says, tell me about this restaurant. You know, I want to do this restaurant. And he says, do you want me to talk you into it or talk you out of it? Because I could do both. And, and that's the reality yeah. is we can do both. Because it's a hard business. And so we knew going into this that this was going to be a hard business. And we were going to need to, to really pull together and learn something and, and drive this. So we, so I saw David Scott Peters. I saw him talk. I, saw, I said, yes, this sounds great. I went to the Soup to Nuts uh, class that they taught, which nowadays he does a 60-day class, which is phenomenal. It's an opportunity I wish I had back then. Uh, a little different now. He today. being Fred Langley. Yes. Yes. Uh, so Restaurant Systems Pro. Uh, so that, I'm sure you've talked about it in past shows, but that's evolved. Uh, Dave Scott Peters does his own thing now, and Fred Langley is the, the main right. owner of RSP. And just a great group of people that, that I've wor- had the opportunity to work with, and we started with them from the beginning. So I can't say that before RSP we were doing this and now we're doing this. I saw the light on the right. I convinced my family that this is the way to go. We don't know what we're doing, and it's easy to figure out you don't know what you're doing because you just have to ask yourself some basic questions of what should your cost of goods be? What should your sales be? How do you write a budget? How do you you plan for your labor costs, and how do you – uh, account for how do you how do you continually monitor that? How do you do your inventory correctly? And that's one of the things that David would do is he would say he'd say some basics that we would know in the industry today, and then he'd say, "Now, how do you think it's supposed to be done?" And somebody would say, and he'd be like, "You're dead wrong." <laughs> and, and and I'm sitting in the audience going, "Shit, I thought he was right." <laughs> and so so then you realize you get humbled really quick that you don't know what you're doing and you need to figure this out and. So we figured it out, and yeah. we, we but it gave you a path through the obstacle. 
right? Oh. And I think a lot of times, like, what would you, what would the story have been if you didn't have a like a literally like grooves to stay in to, to help you tackle the path? Like we talked earlier, the obstacle, the the way to to get through the pandemic or the recession isn't running from it; is going through it. And this thing gives you a guide wire. This thing being Restaurant Systems yeah. Pro straight through the obstacle because it gives you all the systems you need. It gives you, I don't want to talk about it. You, you tell me what it gave you. Well, what it did for us is, is, is it showed us that we need systems. We need processes. We already knew that because we had been in business for a long time and we'd seen those errors in, in our past and how much money we had lost. And so going into something that we didn't know much about, even though we, we had some experience with running the restaurant at the entertainment center, it wasn't like what we're doing here. You know, it wasn't millions of dollars of volume of in a restaurant. And so when we got RSP, it was, this was normal for them. This was day-to-day operations. And they're like, well, you could do so much more. This is great food. This is a great, great bar concept. Look at this place. It's beautiful. You could do so much more with this. Instead of like, wow, $2 million. Like, you guys are set. Yeah. You know, I think that's what it would have been. It would have been like, we're doing so much more than we did before. Like, how can we get better than this? And we're, we're, maybe we can do so two and a half. Let me make sure three. I'm hearing this, this right. So, like, you're, you did 2000 the first year. Right, two million. Yeah, two, two million. Sorry, two million the first year. Uh, Restaurant assistance pro. They do they invite you to your the elite program? Were they like, oh, like no? <laughs> so wait, like so, but you said that they came in, they started seeing things that you didn't see. So I, uh, I, I think that what so you have this elite group that you've got to see, right? But there's, I don't know how it's hundreds or thousands of, of customers that he has in RSP outside of the league group i was one of those and what they saw was that we were driven that we were always on the phone with them doing our weekly coaching calls trying to be better trying to trying to inspire the team and during that time we were going through some managers um each year we had a different manager during that time i was basically the general manager i was the acting general manager at the time so i was still leading our group and leading the company and but we had a different front of house manager, a different bar manager. And it wasn't, I don't think it was a success driven. It was, we were trying to build people up that were not industry people. They were, they were a server or a bartender. Yeah. Yeah. And then they went on to do something else. They were too young. Uh, Now we have qualified people that, that are industry people that want to, that, that this is their role. Right. And we could pay a lot different today than we could back then. So, we were we were growing the system. I'm gonna to have to rewind. Where were we? We were going somewhere with this. The the I think we were talking about like how they helped. Like what were you doing before? Like you were in the elite. Um, oh yeah. Okay. Like what were the things that okay, they, like, they helped thanks, go from thanks two for to bringing five. me back on track? Yeah. I, we're all over the place. Uh, I'm glad you got it. Two million to five million is like yes. what they, they kind of help push you is what you were saying. Okay, so so with RSP. They were helping us on our weekly calls figure out our systems and processes. It wasn't until 2020 that I got invited to be in the league group. So 2015 to 2020, they just saw our rapid growth. And, I, and David came out here and he saw our operation uh, in, for himself. And he was just like, wow, this place is awesome. Look at this place. Like, what? This place is not only beautiful, your team is great. You're training them great. Your point of sales are great. You know, our menus are great. The, the food concept is awesome. And he's like, you guys, you guys need to be in the league group. And 
when he invited us, I accepted, and we went into the elite group, and I have not missed a single meeting yet uh, since I've been what in. What is the elite group? So the elite group is basically they they look at all their their clients and RSP, and they say, who are top 20, 25 clients that are leading their industry? That And it doesn't have to be a, a restaurant industry, but it can be any kind of style of food. Who's leading it? Who's innovative? Who's who's trying to be better every single day? And I'm going to find those people, and I'm going to gather them together. And once a quarter, we meet at a different restaurant. And not only do we try to learn from that restaurant, we try to give that restaurant feedback on how they could be even better. Right. And so 2020, I joined. We were supposed to have the restaurant group come out here. COVID hit. And you know, so we, we, we didn't... RSP didn't come out here. The elite group didn't come out here until I think late 21. Got it. And uh, it's it's been a fantastic thing for us as a restaurant group. We've learned so much from, I mean, just a great group of people that are yeah, great I, restaurateurs, super you know, smart. I'll be honest. When I first started talking, like I was aware of David Scott Peters, right? My understanding of Restaurant Assistance Pro is it basically started with David and what the systems that he was teaching during his lectures. And over time, it went from like, like workbooks to software or to like digital versions like floppy disks mm-hmm. to yep. eventually software yep. and they've been growing the software and it's been yep. it's become the service as a software and now it's at this point um, where they have all the systems the back of house systems inventory yep. management scheduling basically anything you need to do that's like behind the POS yep. like as a line right um, and they just secured their POS they announced mm-hmm. that and I don't know. I might be a little ahead of the curve, but they're working on their general ledger now, yes, too. Accounting. Which, and from what I understand, like that's either out or about to be out. It's about to be out. We're we're one of their first clients that are going to take on the accounting portion of it. Um, my niece does all of our, our bookkeeping for our company, uh, and she is working with the with setting up our general ledger as we speak. Because, yeah. you know, it, when you could tie those things together, you really start to understand not only just how you budgeted for the year, how you forecasted it for the year, but then how did you actually do compared to that? How, how are the numbers, you know, the numbers are there, you're looking at them, but then how do you tie them together uh, and, and have some real idea of, are we meeting our goals? Are we, where are we growing? Where are some red areas? Where can we do better? Yeah. So I'm a little teaser right now. If I'm Eric Cacciatore, opening a restaurant tomorrow mm-hmm. and I'm trying to scale from like zero to five in five years, I'm going with restaurant systems pro. You absolutely should. And, and the reason why I Eric Cacciatore am doing that is because I hate restaurant tech. I'm not a systems person. I'm not a technology person. Mm-hmm. Even if you are, here's a problem. Even if you are, which I am, and that was one of the hard parts is we had Excel spreadsheets that we had designed up and we had been working with. The problem is, is that things change in our industry so fast. So where you're looking it's at... It's good today, but give it a year. Well, no, it's not just that. <laughs> it's not just that. It's also in the respect of... Uh, so right now I'm paying you know this much for tomatoes, and next week I'm paying a different price. So you could create a recipe costing card, and each week that recipe costing card could change. It's not fluid with your business. You could you know, set up systems and processes in place if you knew how to do that or maybe you did all the research to try to find out how to do it you could do it 
But then it's not going to be fluid and change with your business right. unless you're going to put in a ton of time trying to track and market. And, and it's not worth that. Not for right. the small amount of money that you invest in in doing these systems because they will – and, you know, at, at the end of the day, any smart business person looks at it and says, what's the return look like? Like if I don't do this, what is it going to cost me? If I do do this, uh, how is it going to benefit me? So – you you have to look at that ROI on that investment and say is it is the juice worth the squeeze here, and with RSP for us it has been it has been a game changer. I mean we went from never being in the restaurant to being in the black the first year, and every year after growing a business that's always been profitable, always been successful, always been growing, and there's not just like it's not it's not a one shop. Or I'm sorry, that's one stop shop. It's, it's not that. That's what I was trying to say. It's not. It's not just one thing that they do. It's, you know, we use the checklist. We use the training systems on there. We use, uh, of course, uh, the scheduling and the labor. We use, you know, and a lot of people do all these other companies, these smart shifts and and, and different programs. And there's nothing wrong with those different programs, but. When you can consolidate that into one where you're not having to pay them, pay them, and pay them, and figure out their technology and figure out their technology. Or if you want to change one element of it, does that throw off the entire system? No, it doesn't. You what, still- what's what I'm saying? Like, if, if you weren't using Restaurant Assistance Pro and say you wanted to do a new, like, you want to change one element, one system, uh-huh. could that possibly throw off the entire system? If you weren't an RSP customer? If you, yeah. Exactly. So, say you had you want to become an RSP customer. Well, so, no. Say you had a tech stack that's uh-huh. not restaurant assistance. Okay. Pro, and then you wanted to change one element of your tech stack. Oh, okay. yeah, it could. It yeah. could. It could throw off yeah. all the integrations. Sure. Right. Sure. So, like, um, th- that's kind of the point I was trying. Yes, to make. Uh, and I and I totally get that. And that that's something that I, I think nowadays you have to be more, back. You know, twenty years ago we didn't exist. You know, tech right. stack didn't that, that word. They look at you like you're that's crazy. Today. We're looking at it from a different point of view because we integrate all these different technologies into our business. Well, the the way the future of the industry to be competitive is on t- leveraging technology, AI, whatever you want to call it, systems, processes, procedures, um, and you can never build something from scratch on your own unless you're like some savant coder mm. programmer. Like the 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 physical or digital argue, world. I would argue, even if you were that person, it wouldn't be as good, right? Because these people are that, and they're focused on making it better every single day. And they've been doing this for 10 years right. to make it better every single day. That's the, a huge the new, difference. The new operations manual is a digital, digital asset. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the future if you want to be efficient. Yeah. You know? Um, so it's, like, it's almost like you're almost hiring a general manager. Because what's a general manager's job? It's to keep everything in place. Right. It's to, it's to know what the operations manual is and to manage people to standards. That's what Restaurant Systems Pro does. It, it's like it is the system, and if you follow the system, it is your manager. Still and now you need a manager, but. but you still need the manager <laughs> to follow the system. But it, like it keeps the manager honest. It's the operations mail. So like you can take somebody with very little experience, right. put them into the system, versus going to a manager who has ten years of experience who's asking for you know eighty thousand dollars to start. You know, like you can go with somebody with very little experience and then put them into the system and grow them. For us, it's been a game changer. I mean, we've. We the reason why we're so profitable, the reason why we understand our prime costs and we understand how our business runs and and all these different a- aspects of, of being profitable is because of RSP. Uh, would we have been profitable without it? I, I think so because we're driven and we're we're definitely we found another solution. And there are other out. solutions there are. out there. I think 
RSP is the best if you're a small company looking to grow. I yes. think there's other systems out there that might be a little bit out of reach for some of the smaller companies. I know. Um, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And 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 you know, there there are companies out there that are designed more tailored for 10, 10 restaurants going to twenty. You know that those kind of. There's a reason why I say if I'm opening from zero to five, I'm going with Restaurant Assistance Pro. 100%. Love Restaurant Assistance Pro. I don't know if I'm staying with them today. If I'm looking to scale from like say eight to twenty. I mean, I know people that are in our group that Fred are might doing hate me that. for saying that. Well, no, it, <laughs> you know there are people that are in our group, and I think that's you know that there's one thing I will say about the RSP group. I think you're you're absolutely right. You're being honest and you're you're saying that that this is their specialty. This is where they're focused and and it's also a price point. Like you can't if you want to look at other companies, it's very hard to get to be able to afford those other companies because of the entry level to get into there. But what I look at with RSP is it's something that you can grow into. And I believe that by the time that we're at that we're ready to yeah. be at five, ten locations. That RSP is going to be ready for us to be at five. With the 10 general locations. ledger and the POS. That's what. That's why I look at that vision, and, and even even what there's, you know, hopefully their their POS that they're going to develop is going to deliver as they anticipate it will, and that's, you know, you're with a driven company. There, I try to align with people who are like me who are driven, right. and and Fred Langley and Gino and his crew. All of the people that work there, not only have they been there for a long time, Lisa and, and Brittany, I mean, the, his, his team has been there for a long time. That speaks volumes about how they lead their yeah. business as yeah. a business. And you know that when you call them, you can get real, somebody who actually cares about your company, right. and about who you are, and that wants to see you succeed. Like, that's their whole mission is to see you succeed. And they helped us tremendously during the shutdowns. And our elite group all helped each other during the shutdowns. And that was a huge, huge, huge right. game changer uh, for us. So, yeah. So a little teaser um, within Restaurant Unstoppable Network, uh, we are basically remodeling. It's kind of like opening a restaurant. And, like you think you figure it out, and then you break it down and start over, and, and you're constantly like re like reinnovating. You know, getting better and better and better. We're we're doing that with the the Restaurant Unstoppable Network right now, and the next iteration, we're going to have different tiers. We're going to organize the content. That's going to be tier one where now if you sign up for the network, there's going to be buckets and that's basically playlists. So oh, like, fun. yeah, so the content's going to be organized. You can get all the Smart. marketing content, all the systems content, all the culture content, all the personal growth content. We're going to organize content by geographic. So if you're in a part of the country and you want to just listen to people who were on the show in your area, we're going to organize that. But that second tier is going to be a community of people who want to go from zero to five in five years or less and using the step-by-step process Eric would use if he was opening a restaurant tomorrow, I'm going to invite all of our partners into that to teach us along the way. And it's going to be interesting. Restaurant Systems Pro, I'm hoping it's going to be a big part of that. So if you guys are interested in the community around these things. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I'm psyched. I, I, I always find I, podcasts are something that I got into about two, three years ago. And not yeah. doing them is my first one I've ever done, but uh, actually listening to yeah. them. And I always find that. Being able to find the content and even like I like to listen to Joe Rogan and I I have a problem. I had reached out to you just recently to say, hey, I, I heard you talk about an episode and I didn't <laughs> want to rewind the whole thing and see which one it was. Which one was it that you guys talked about this? And yeah. And so for me, that's 
I would love a search feature right. to be able to see it and organize it and say, right. okay, you know what? This is what we're working on right now. I want to really dive into it. And not only that, but it's like, okay, so you found the one, but there's probably like two others that touched on that. And maybe there's some nuggets in those that, oh, we like that system, but we have a little twist to it. Right. And we do it this way. I want to hear what that twist is so, as well. Yeah, the, the plan is to, to organize all that content. So cool. And we're investing some decent money right now to get actually coaching and support to help us execute this. Awesome. Uh, so I'm super excited for the future. I'll be on the list. Yeah, man. I always am trying to learn. That's one of the things that we, in our companies, we are always trying to evolve. We're always trying to learn. We're always trying to be better and try to see what it is that somebody else is doing that we could bring into our wheelhouse to make our systems and our processes better. That's why I enjoy the elite group so much because I can walk into somebody's restaurant and just go, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. You're doing that. Why? I hadn't even thought uh, about that before. Go, time's going by so fast. Let us look to the clock. We're at an hour and 45 of recording. We've got to take one more quick break to thank our sponsors. All right. And we'll be right back to talk about where you are today and where you're going and where the industry is going. Okay. This episode made possible by Owner.com. Owner.com is the quickest and easiest way for your customers to order directly from you without the expensive 30% commission fees. Look. With Owner.com, you'll save thousands every month when customers order through your website and branded app instead of third-party delivery apps and reward your customers with a built-in loyalty program that turns them into regulars who order again and again. Owner.com also helps you rank higher on Google with world-class search engine optimization built specifically for restaurants with an AI-powered website. We cannot forget lists. Build a huge list of people who live near your restaurant fast and market to that list on autopilot with text and email sent at the perfect time to help you grow sales and stay top of mind. Owner.com gives you everything you need to grow and market your restaurant online with no contracts or hidden fees. Visit Owner.com slash unstoppable right now to book your free demo and see why thousands of restaurant owners trust owner.com to power their restaurants online. Recently on the show, you've been hearing it come up often. Restaurant Systems Pro. If you've become interested, I highly recommend you sign up for the Restaurant System Pro 60-day pilot program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurant tours through the Restaurant Systems Pro software and setting up the system for your restaurant. Fred will be leading the training, supporting you, and holding you accountable. Typically, this costs $10,000 a month to have Fred in your restaurant, but during this no-cost-to-you 60-day training, he will be teaching you every process he does during the group coaching sessions, and nothing will be held back. During the 60 days, Fred will walk you through the Restaurant Systems Pro process and help you crush the following goals. Recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting with accuracy, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, more butts in seats, and that's not it. 
Often, the team at Restaurant Systems Pro helps restaurateurs out pro bono because their hearts go out to these folks. I mean, it's hard out there, but because of that, a lot of the time these restaurateurs don't follow through because they have no skin in the game. For that reason, there is an application process. Only those serious about making change in their operation will be accepted into this program. Are you interested? Then go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. RestaurantUnstoppable.com slash RSP. We are back, and I want to focus on where you are today. As you march into the future, um, how are you trying to get better today? How is Dan trying to be better today? What has your attention? So right now, the things that we're working on are, I mean, we're really driving home steps to service uh, with our team. Uh, we've we've really revamped those steps of service and and brought out 14 different steps of service that we're executing on. We're having we're having people you know secret shoppers coming in an actual program of using a secret shopper program to come in and test us, benefit the team you know reward the team for doing excellent uh, when those secret shoppers coming in um, and they're and they're delivering uh, on our expectations. We are. Working on processes, actually, some of the things I've been learning from your podcast on uh, other past speakers on how to develop systems for, uh, you know, for creating a pathway to success uh, within the restaurant that's that's defined. It's one of the things I've been working on lately, uh, and then I've also been working on a our own in-house online digital training platform where basically when a when a new team member is hired, there's we train the trainer and then we train the trainers training the team member using an iPad, but it's giving them the step-by-step basically like a training guide, but on an iPad to where we can control the content. We can have video content of uh, Wally speaking to the team, me speaking to the team, doing what, the things that I wish I could do with every team. Where member. does this all live? What, like, what, like, what, are you, what are you building this on? Or what are you looking to build this on? So we actually built it on our own platform. We, we built it uh, using a website and then it's password protected so that if, if a team member is no longer with us, they wouldn't have access to that. Um, so we, we built it. I have a, my own marketing director that works full time for us and, and he's incredibly talented. And so he's, he works on everything marketing related, but he also works on these kind of projects to help us drive our company into the next next space. So I don't know anybody who's doing this right now. Um, we're, I know that there's systems out there that will, like companies that you can work with to do it, but I don't know anybody besides probably major corporations that yeah. are doing this on their own. And the, we're doing it on our own. Yeah. Uh, the companies that are, I know of that are out there that help you with this, Wisetail is one of them. Opus is another one that's coming onto my radar. And they're essentially just these platforms that literally, if you don't want to, if you don't have a marketing yeah. guru who's good at building things online, line yeah you can they can outsource help you. it yeah. and, and it's, it's the framing to do this and i would have totally looked at those kind of options but being that you know i always know that they they will limit you on what they can do and then when you ask them if you can do something else their answer is yeah. like well let me look into that and let me see yeah with our own system i can you know our guy is so talented that one huddle is another one that's doing some really cool stuff where i don't think that they offer like the platform for like like a uh, curriculum, so to speak, but they mm-hmm. they pr- provide like this gamification up for training. So it's like a, it's a training tool. I've seen people that do that. Yeah, and, and we we kind of have our own with the secret shopper program where 
where when they succeed on those, we're giving them rewards and we're taking care of them and doing fun things for them and, and then also letting, letting the other team members know that they're succeeding and they're doing yeah. well. The, uh, you actually, when you, when you recently reached out to me to ask what episode, it was, uh, it was the Nick, Nick. Uh, Cirillo yeah. episode uh, who's behind, um, I want to say it's Nick's Pizza. I can't remember the name of his, his actual concept, um, but he talked about that the, the episode tagline is creating tangible creating tangible framing of growth in your organization. Yeah. And it's this idea of literally like creating paths for people. So if they want to raise, like you, you show them the way to do it. Right. And like there's different levels within your organization and it's up to your employee to, to, to climb that ladder and to, to give them the tools to do it. It's in my opinion, it's, it's such a big tool to be able to be able to inspire people to have a path of growth and know how they can grow. And right. it's not this mystery of what do you make? You know, how much money do you make? Well, how much money do you make? Oh, well, you can't talk about that. You know, there's, it's weird. That's, that's how yeah. it's always been. And it, it shouldn't be that way. It should be like, let's work as a team. Let's, I know what color hat you're wearing. So I know exactly how much money so I, I make. I haven't got to that, <laughs> but what I, I, so I think I told you this before I read that, I read an article that was, that, Somebody interviewed him, and it was in a pizza magazine or something many years ago. Not many, probably three or four years ago, and it inspired me then, and I've always been looking to see that. And then when when I heard you talk about it on one of your other podcasts, I said, oh, you know what? I need to look that up because yeah. he's, he's interviewed this guy. I bet, I bet he has. But, yeah, that's such a cool concept. Prakash Karam Chandani. I'm pretty sure I'm saying wow. his name correctly. That was, I had to really stop and pause. Yeah, you have and to like, think about that one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's doing something similar. He was recently a guest on the show. That's another episode to listen to if you guys are interested in that. Um, well, you're talking about the steps of service, and I think we didn't really unpackage that much. What do you mean? So you're working on pretty much putting those steps of service into this training program? Yeah, so so I'll, I'll, I'll show you what it looks like. Um, I'm actually talking to, um, to, on Friday, the author of Think Faster, Talk Smarter, uh, Abrams, uh, this is his last name. His first name is escaping me. Um, Matt Abrams. Sorry, were you going to say gotcha. something? No, no. You just uh, you know to, to show you the the basic concept is. So this is the website that we're building. So the team member would. This is already logged in. Yeah, this is already logged in. So they would come to a landing page that they would log into, and then they would go through and they would select if. Now we can make it so that. A host only sees the host position. A bartender only sees a bartender position. That's how we would initially set it up. I'm an admin, so I see all positions. So as you're scrolling down through there, you'll see different positions that that, that are in there. But uh, they would click on their position that they're hired for. And if, let's say, that they were a host or a server that then became a bartender, they would... If they log back in, they would see server. And then now you're training for bartender. So there'd be a bartender selection that they'd be able to choose. They select the bartender. I just position. gave all of your uh, intellectual property out <laughs> to the entire world. If you are watching the video, I'm holding Dan's phone right up against the camera, so showing as he's talking about it. So, um, so when you're when you're a host and you, uh, you know, let's say you're, you're trained to be a host, there's the host steps of service first and foremost is the first thing you see, and then you have orientation and then day one of training and then after day one of training there's in day one of training there's videos and there's this um, sounds like so much work dan oh it's a lot of work yeah how many times are you gonna have to do it well so <laughs> i say this is a living breathing document so it's always going to evolve but here's the thing it's either i'm going to do it inside the restaurant 
or I'm going to spend the time creating this, and then we're going to continue to evolve this. And once it's done, you can the, hand the, it off. Too. Yeah, we can hand it off, and we can just continue to evolve it as we as we have been. And we've already had new versions that have come out. So after each day, they take a test. Um, the the next they get they get sent home with a questionnaire of what we learned that day, and then what we're going to quiz you on the next day. And we start out the next day with a quiz of what did you learn on day one. Then on day two, you go through day two. On day three, you learn, what did you learn on day two? And you're going to take a quiz on that. And then you have to be successful and pass each one of these, and the results go straight to the manager of how each of these team members that are going through training have done. Um, and so we're constantly throughout the whole thing, and at the end, you, you get a test on how everything is. And it's not... And I'm assuming every employee has their own profile, so it's all being... As we're going through, like you have the results, you have like the fact that they went through, they've taken all the tests. Yes. You can print that out, yes. file it away. Yes. And, and we can assign different profiles as they move up through the ranks. So, so our steps of service that we have at our restaurant are, number one, knowing your tables and acknowledging your guests. And then we, have, we go into what the expectation is, and that's step one. Step two is connecting with coasters. So uh, one thing that our manager, brought, our, re- our manager Bob brought to the table was tagging a table with a coaster. I never heard this concept before, but we, within the first two weeks that he was here, we had a guest complaint on Yelp that they were here for 15 minutes, nobody acknowledged them, and they walked out the door. And I said, how does that happen? And he's like, well, we're not tagging tables. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, whenever we go up to the table, we sit down a coaster, a server, a manager. If you see a table that doesn't have a coaster on it, that means that table hasn't been greeted yet. And if if a manager's walking by, if another server's walking by, it's not even in their section, if they see a table that doesn't have a coaster on it, they need to greet that table. So... Uh, Keep going, man. These are good little tricks. So it's connecting with coasters. Uh, Then you have the greeting, making sure that you're greeting your guests, letting them know, you're acknowledging them so that now they're not thinking, who's my server? Even if you're running your food or you're you're taking an order on our table, hey, great to see you. Thanks for coming in. I'll be right with you. Got it. Um, Then after after you've actually greeted your guests, uh, talking about their favorites is a big deal for us. I don't want them to talk about what my favorites are or what the most profitable item is or what the biggest contribution margin is. I want them talking about what their favorites are because they'll be more their inspired. The server? The server. Got it. Because they'll be more inspired to talk about what their favorite items are. And they'll be better at explaining it and how amazing it is. So I want them to talk about their favorites. But I do want them talking about a favorite. So we're starting out with appetizers, but we're not going to say appetizers. We're going to say, oh, can I get you started with our jumbo size wings? Like, if you've never had our wings here, they're amazing. Oh my my God. favorite. They're town. running behind you yes. on this thing, and I'm starving right now. I already know. That I'm wasn't planned. <laughs> uh, so, so then uh, the personal touch, making sure that they connect with a personal touch. What brings you to Wally's today? How'd you find out about us? Those kind of things. Uh, but not the same script. We're really big on no scripts here. It's right. On I'm happy you say that. I want to. I want to slide this in because I mentioned think faster, talk smarter, mm. which is the the interview I'm doing on Friday with Matt Abrams. He's a Stanford professor and he teaches communication and all this stuff. He teaches you how to basically use improv and like how to how to to think faster and talk smarter. And it's it's really leaning into chaos and it's it's being okay with not having a script, but just right. being receptive to what's actually happening. Like all these things you're sharing with, with us are great. Just have a conversation. Here chaos are my is going to happen. It's, it's yeah. chaos. It's, it's, chaos it's, is going to happen. You can't put every, you can't put people on scripts because what ends up happening is they start thinking about 
like, am I saying it right? Am yeah. I doing the right thing? Like, then they get flustered. Give them the framing. Yeah. Let them be themselves. And yep. this book, I'm really excited for this conversation because I think we're going to get a lot of like little like communication hacks. Yeah. So sorry, just keep going. When 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 we do that intro part, there's a video that we shot inside the restaurant, and it's I have three different servers that have completely different ways of greeting a table, and we talk about each of them, and we're like figure out you know if one of these align with you i don't watch this hi my name is dan i'll be taking care of you today yeah you know i don't like those kind of intros i like to give a couple different ways to introduce yourself to the table and and when you find the one that works best for you as a server i want you to run with that one but i want you to have certain basics that are gathered in it so then number six is expectations making sure that we're delivering alcohol non-alcohol within three minutes alcohol within five minutes uh, and the food, you know, what our expectations on for food times. Uh, talking about our specials of what we're doing. Uh, that number eight is staying, staying and sending. You know, the difference between whether or not you're staying on the order or you're sending the order right away. Um, number nine is accuracy. Number ten is setup. Uh, making sure that they have everything that they need at the table. That we're bringing pizza trays. That we're bringing, you, you know, that we have the utensils out at the table. That we're you know, making sure they're set up for success. Yeah. So they're not thinking, oh, shoot, I don't have forks. I don't have ranch. Right. I don't, why, why isn't there a pizza tray here? Um, knowing their order, making sure that we get the order right, that we're making sure that we're upselling during the order, that we're making sure that we're, um, we're talking about our favorites and that we're reading back the order back to them so we're not making mistakes and we're getting it accurate. We have a uh, pear and gorgonzola pizza and we have a pear and walnut salad. And I can tell you that I myself have ordered the pear and walnut salad, meaning to or, or ordered the pear and walnut salad, and the server thought I ordered a pear and gorgonzola pizza. <laughs> and I, the salad has gorgonzola on it. And so I, I said pear and gorgonzola. It was my fault as an owner. And they brought out the pizza, and I said, that's not what I ordered. And everybody at the table said, yes, it is. <laughs> so reading back that order, yeah. make sure Close that we're getting it right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the check back, making sure we're checking back with the table within our expected, expectation, meeting those expectations on the times that we're checking back on, uh, on the table. And then dessert, talking about dessert with the table. And then lastly, and again, it goes back to your favorites on the dessert. And we talk about desserts during lunchtime. We talk about them during dinner time. We talk about them all the time because even if we're not – even if it's lunch and it's not likely to sell a dessert, you're planting that seed. And I will tell you, there's people out there that will order those desserts, and it shocks our servers like, during lunchtime, even breakfast. Like, oh, yeah, bread pudding? I love bread pudding. How great is your bread pudding? We make it in-house. You make it in-house? Oh, that's what it looks like on the TV? I'm going to order that. I love bread pudding, Or too. I'm going to come back later, and I'm going to order that. Yeah. And then the last thing is just thanking them, like genuinely thanking them and wanting them to, inviting them back to, to come see First impression, again. last impression. Yeah. Yeah, I love that, man. This is great. Do you have that in an, on a document that you're willing to share with me so I can put it in the show notes? Sure. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, and this is episode 1,039. So restaurantstoppable.com slash 1039 if you want to check that out. Dude, we're, I think we're at the end of our conversation. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Um, before we say goodbye, I have a, some some uh, some scripted questions that I want to ask. Actually, okay. before we ask the scripted questions, I did want to ask about what's happening behind you right now. So you have these display units, I've noticed. You have You have TVs that are functioning as normal TVs, but you also have this basically two TV or these four TVs I'm looking at right now on this wall that are more marketing promotional type stuff. Right. So is that you have untapped over in the corner, but it's also promoting drinks. Right. Um, so get into like <laughs> what's going on behind you. Cause I, I was curious about that. So the marketing um, inside the four walls marketing. Here. So I, my, like I said, I've got a great guy. Uh, Breck is his name, Breck Houghton and, and, 
uh, do not try to approach him to offer him a job. <laughs> he, he's he's phenomenal and 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 great human being. And he he's just he knows how to look at these different things. I tell him my big idea, and then he goes and executes and figures out how to do it. So, so what was the big idea? Like the, well, the digital signage. So originally we looked at Untapped, and we were running with just Untapped. Uh, you know, the beer, which does all the beer displays. And you can actually do marketing advertising on Untapped, and it's it's pretty slick. But with these TVs, what it's, it's actually a, 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 a system called Yodec. And Yodec is what we – there's a couple of them out there, but Yodec is the one that we went with. And they have a – a device that sits up behind the TV and it allows you to, to create content and put video content to it, put, put still images to it and then go into rotation and then even add things like untapped to that list. So we're showing our own in-house creations. Again, you're going to have to, if you don't have somebody that can create it or if you can't create it, then you're going to need to have, pay somebody to create it and then updating it. Having somebody in-house is for us has been when you get to that level of, you're doing over $5 million in sales, I think it's crucial um, because he does everything from social media to website design to uh, to videography to uh, we have our own system for setting up for, for doing interviews and for uh, doing doing commercials. All those things play into, into in, a, in a role. And then these, he can update from off-site location. So he's at our other location and he just logs into the system here, and he sends, you know, over the internet. He sends these updates, these to, images and stuff. So, um, as Dan was talking, I was panning the camera, zooming in behind him to show the, the actual what we're talking about. If you have not subscribed to our YouTube channel, please head over to YouTube.com/slash Restaurant Unstoppable. I think it might, I think it's just Restaurant Unstoppable podcast. You'll find it. It's out there. Subscribe. Watch these videos. Thank you in advance. But what has the return on investment been? Have you been able to track the return on this type of so digital hard. signage? It's so hard to, to to put a number to those things because you know you you don't know if. I mean, it's selling me, man. I want yeah. pizza and wings so bad right now. <laughs> We're going to take care of that in a minute. Uh, you know, it, it. I I definitely think it just is part of your branding and it's part of continually pushing your branding and, and, and showing that you're not just a one-stop shop like we're Wally's Pizza Bar like I, but we have there, amazing pasta vegan food here too yeah, yeah you, local if you're a vegan, heroes what's yeah. that every yeah. Wednesday since 2015 yeah always since, since the beginning so you're promoting always, the events yeah and we, we we take care of our local heroes our police officers our firefighters our military active and retired uh, we always do we do something every Wednesday for them from day one where we take care of a uh, of a small pizza for them or an appetizer or a salad anytime and every time they come in on Wednesdays. That's our local hero Wednesday day. And we've been doing that since the very beginning. Cool. Uh, just really love the innovation that's happening here. I meant to pull that out earlier and I totally forgot. So now let's move to these questions. We'll wrap it up. Um, so the question, this is a new question. The idea behind this is what are you doing that if we were to, if you were to share this right now, um, what what is one thing about your business, a value, a process, a system that's uncommon that makes you unstoppable? I actually think uncommon today is is having drive, is really just not willing to give up finding a way to make it happen. If we talk about like a specific thing that we do inside our business. You know what? I will tell you something that's that we do that's uncommon. Uh, there's a there's a guy that I listened to uh, did a TED talk. His name's Sean Akers, 
and Sean talks about the happiness advantage. And if you haven't heard it, it's 12 minutes long, and it's phenomenal. I've shared it with thousands of people, and it's, it's such a powerful, powerful message. And what he talks about is the science of, the, of, of having a happiness advantage. And so every morning, on Tuesdays, we have our manager meeting and then on, uh, for Wally's Pizza Bar at 9 a.m. And then at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, we have a manager meeting at FLB. And every manager meeting starts with each manager talking about what happened that was great that week, mm. something that made a difference and that, that they're proud of. So what, what they do is they relive that moment. It gives them an opportunity that we're asking for, for them to share something positive that they've done so that we can see them and highlight it. And it might not just be them. It might just be something that happened in the restaurant. But they have to stop. And I'm telling you, if they don't have anything, I wait until they have something. Like, we're going to sit here and wait, and you're going to think of something. Yeah. Because there's it not... It forces you to be grateful. Yes. And you relive that moment, and it's for them as much as it's for us. Yeah. And so we're thinking about what it is that we do on a on a weekly basis that makes us great and what makes us thrive to be better, that 1% better every single day. Like, we're always trying to become better. And so it helps the manager relive that moment. And we do it as owners. And we'll say, who wants to start us off today on, on, yeah. on their positive? Yeah. And we'll do, every one of us has to come up with one every single I week. love that. That's huge. I mean, it, it's forcing people to be grateful and have that, that positive outlook, but it, it's also forcing you to learn about your people right. and take an interest in what's happening in their personal And let life. them know that that's our culture, is that yeah. we want to be positive. We want to be happy. We want to enjoy. This is called a ritual. Yes, yeah. uh, yes, it's very important. It's a, it's a atomic habit. I yes. like that. That was another good one that, that I've read. Yeah, uh, but it's that, and then I would say, I'd say the last thing that I, I really really push as what sets us apart is, I teach our team that they're living in. They're, this is their world they're creating. If you don't like the world that you're in, you need to recreate it. Yeah. So this is this is your world, and. If you have team members that aren't executing or you just have this bad seed in the group, then you need to do something about it because you're allowing that to happen in your world. Perception is reality. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's so big. Yeah. I mean, and I enjoy, like, like I said, in our vision is I want people to escape, have the freedom to escape, to be happy. Well, if you can't be happy because you have a team member or you have a guest that is causing you ha- havoc, you need to eliminate that person yeah. from from your world. You need right. to. Yeah, I've told guests they're no longer welcome in here anymore. Yeah. I don't want to accept your money anymore because it costs us more to have you a part of our uh, uh, dining in our restaurant. Your experience isn't better or more valuable than anyone else's experience. Hundred percent. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I, I want to point out. Um, I'm a big advocate of traction um, EOS, the entrepreneurial operating system, and within that 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 operating system, they have level 10 meetings and the start with good news, personal and business is how you start every, every um, meeting. So it's baked in. If you, yeah, yeah, it's, it's powerful. So they probably, somebody in their organization has pulled that out of it too. Yeah. I I pulled that out of the, like I said, Sean Aker and such a great 12 minute must watch. You can find it on YouTube. It's a small Ted talk. And I'm going to put another teaser I mentioned Restaurant Systems Pro being what we're going with for our yeah. back of house tech stack. We're also going to be covering EOS best habits and routines too. So if you're looking, I talk a lot about EOS. All going to be happening at the in the network. I'm plugging, so I'm being selfish. That's exciting. No, it's exciting. <laughs> I mean, people, 
I think that's what sets people apart. It sets businesses apart. What makes you diff- us different than yeah. our, our competitors. Right. So uh, the mission statement is to change the world by inspiring, empowering, and changing the industry. How have you personally transformed? Who are you today? Who's the Dan today versus the Dan back in 2008 when you first took ownership? I mean, night and day different. I think if, uh, I think if you're not evolving as a person, you, you know, you're doing yourself in the world of dis- disadvantage. I think that what who I am today is completely different than who I am. I mean, it's the same same basic person, but uh, just really evolved. And I'm always trying to learn. I'm trying to read new books. Uh, Fred Langley sent all of the elite members uh, a new book, uh, a Simon Sinek book, uh, the Forever Game, or the Infinite Game. Infinite Game. Infinite game. Yeah. And Great book, by uh, the I'm way. reading that right now. I'm listening to your podcast regularly. It's, it's how you become better. Yeah. I, I listen to uh, audiobooks all the time. Uh, right now I'm listening to uh, Genius Foods. I mean, because I, I think it, it's not just one thing. And, and even though Genius Foods does not talk about business, it's not a business book, it's how you live your life as a healthier life. And that definitely affects well, it's me. It's funny you mention that because I'm, I'm doing a lot of soul searching right now too, like trying to figure out the future of Restaurant Unstoppable and these different buckets of content we're going to create. And for me right now, there's four buckets. There's the there's systems, there's uh, culture, uh, there's marketing. And in my mind, that covers most of the things you need in the restaurant industry as far as like running the business. Um, but there's this other element, the fourth leg, which is behind every great restaurant is a great person. Mm. And you won't be able to do any of those three other things until you work on yourself because 100%. you have to lift other people up. You have yep. to focus on yourself. So we're going to have a whole area to dedicate to the, the human element where I, it's like the personal growth type stuff. And when you're in this business, it is a grind yeah. and you have to be in your top shape. And if you want to succeed, if you want to grow and you want to, it helps so much more to be physically fit, to eat properly, to sleep properly, to exercise, you know, to, to have a good home life, to have, you know, a supportive spouse. You know, those things are, are, are huge if you're going to want. It makes it so much easier to make those successes right. happen. And this is the last question. You ready okay. for it? I'm ready. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure with the exception of three pieces of wisdom you could leave behind for the good of humanity and your legacy. What would those three pieces of wisdom be? I think definitely having a spouse, you know, find the right person in your life that you can grow old with and that, that can help you navigate the seas. I mean, it's in my opinion, it's so important to, to have somebody, I mean, I go home every day and talk to my wife about what's happened at work and what's going on. So having somebody there for you that that is a key factor to helping you grow, uh, that would be number one. Number two, I think being a great leader, a great spouse and a great father, you know, a great, uh, you know, all those things are leaders in my world. So having somebody who is is driven every day to 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 just be better at, at that is is uh, a key success. And then I think the the last one would be just having drive. Like like go after. There's it. a there's a there's a quote uh, that I, I like. I have to look at it. Uh, I don't memorize it off the top of my head, but I. Uh, it, it, it caught me, it caught my eye a while back and I said, oh my God, that's, that's awesome. And so the quote is, 
Never fight until you have to. But when it's time to fight, you fight like you're the third monkey on the ramp to Noah's Ark. And brother, <laughs> it's starting to rain. So it shows these little kids it. fighting. And it's like, it gives me goosebumps. Screenshot I, that for me. Send I will, I'll me. send it to you. I'll have that up in the, in the and, video. And I, I tell you, it's, I, I've felt that way from the beginning is that we're always in a fight. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a fight for good. It's a fight for, for doing something better. But, and I want to help other people fight too. Like I, there's restaurant tours all around us that I've sat down with and shared open book. Like, you're let me help the, you. You're talking to thousands of restaurant owners. Right yeah. Now, it's man. well, and, and that's, I think that's part of what we do. I've, I've been helped so much by other people that, you know, giving back, it just not only does it feel good, it's right. And it's, it's, it's a path to helping you understand. And you'll never know if that person's going to help you in the future. Yeah. It's just, it's a give, give. You can't track it. You just have oh, to trust so it. so good. Yeah, man. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Uh, before we say goodbye, I want to have you call somebody out. Um, you were a great guest for us today. Who can you think of and admire? Somebody who you knew, you know that if there were a guest on the show, you would absolutely be tuning into that episode. Who is that for you? The first person that comes to mind is uh, Ray Villeman, uh with the Tahoe Restaurant Group. Uh, my, my wife works for him. She's a controller for his companies. And he runs great restaurants, Base Camp Pizza, Rubicon Pizza, Fireside Pizza, uh, Azul Latin Kitchen. Uh, he's, he's been in the business for a long time. He's a part of the California Restaurant Association. Uh, over the years, I've, I've you know, talked with him over the phone and, and, and consulted with him, and he's given me some really great wisdom, uh, things that, you know, that one of, the, one of the pieces of advice he gave me was, we can do anything great. We can't do everything great. Yeah. So when you try to be that person that, that, that does everything, people ask us all the time, why don't you have a burger on the menu? That's a whole other podcast. But <laughs> we don't have burgers on the menu. It's, it, we, we focus on pizza, pasta, salads, and we still do on the breakfast, on the weekends, and we have our lunch specials. But we can't be great at absolutely everything. But we can be great at the specific things that we do. And if you that. try to be great at everything, you're going to fail. It's, it's too hard. You said there was two people? The other person that uh, came to mind was Matthew Oliver. Uh, Matthew Oliver owns uh, a couple restaurants in not, not far from here. And I got to meet him during this madness uh, of the shutdowns. And he's just, he's just a passionate guy. He's a, he's a preacher, uh, which I did not know until years after getting to know him and uh he's just he's fun and he's 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 definitely he's that never stopping i'm always going to try to be better yeah. kind of guy as well so i I'm, I'm inspired talking to him and I, I like listening to him so i'm working on getting my rv i'll be back in california before you know it man i can't I wait so. and um this is episode 1039. Uh, head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash 1039 for a summary of today's discussions. We're going to have the steps of service in there. Uh, we're going to have links to any tools or services recommended uh, in today's conversation linked to in the show notes. Please use our links. It supports the show so much. If you, if you hear about something, just go to the episode number. Use the links. Thank you in advance. And uh, how can we connect with you if we want to maybe ask a follow-up question or maybe come join your team? Yeah, uh, Dan at WallacePizzaBar.com. Um, is is I, I check my emails every day. Uh, Wallyspizzabar.com is our website, and our our uh, and about us is all the ownership in there and how to reach each of us. But uh, yeah, we 
open to any kind of questions, and I'm always down to help people. So if somebody wants to reach yeah. out, Dan at WallacePizzaBar.com, and we'll help you. Thank you. Uh, well, I, I want to say welcome to the two-hour-plus club. <laughs> There's only been a few handful of uh, guests that have gone Cheers. beyond two hours. It was awesome. Uh, I want to do more conversations like this, and uh, there is no questioning, my man. You are unstoppable. Thank you. Cheers. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guest today, Dan Dreer, for coming on the show and sharing your story and opening myself up to a new perspective. This world of license agreements and um, kind of this is a little bit of a teaser because the next restaurant tour we feature on the show is Ray Villeman, the founder and CEO of Tahoe Restaurant Group. That's a long one, but man, what an awesome episode that was. And it was Dan who put me on to Ray. And this is what the future of Restaurant Unstoppable looks like is really using the interview as the research following the trails of success in real time and this is what's going to be happening going forward you can expect more content like this uh and i'm, I'm giving this is a real teaser ray was a great episode uh, we also interviewed matt abrahams the author of think faster talks or sorry think faster speak smarter that was a little ironic and we also have uh jim the co-founder of cousins um lobsters who's based out here in Boston. So I'm back in New Hampshire as I'm recording this and I kind of want to start getting a little bit more open and uh, I mean, I've always been open, but I want to start sharing more of the behind the scenes and bringing you guys into what's going on and where I'm at. So I've been talking to you guys, letting you know that I'm trying to go full time on the road so I can get more content like this. And my, my vision for that is literally sacrificing myself to the road gods and living on the road in an RV. And I'm trying to figure out the logistics of that right now. But until I can secure my RV, I'm putting it out there that as of November 2nd, when I'm recording this, I'm looking for places to crash in the near future to, to kind of keep my operational expense low so I can pay off some debt and secure a, a permanent RV on the road. So if you are in the Columbus, Ohio area or the Buffalo, New York area or Kentucky or Cincinnati or Kansas city or Wichita, that's going to be my path over the next uh, two months. I'm going to try to get content within those cities between now and the end of the year. So reach out to me, Eric at restaurantstoppable.com. First, tell me who you think I should have on the show. I'm always looking to get the next lead, and I'm also looking for a, a crash pad. So if you have uh, a spare bedroom or an Airbnb, you can uh, rent to me on the the you know the the cheap i'll take any leads and any opportunities i can get right now to make this this vision for the future possible and um can't say goodbye without saying thank you to the people who make this show possible thank you to jerry parisi for your copyright and editing thank you callan miola she's back from maternity leave her baby's happy and healthy and we couldn't be more excited for her she's active in the network and thank you to anna Tazin with the good kind consulting for all of your executive support and counsel it takes an army mine's growing i couldn't be more grateful that's it for today until next time peace out